Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. My name's Blake, and I'm here with the best host in the galaxy. First up, he's here right now. We need you guys to vote on a new name for him, because I don't know what to call him. It's Grant. Hello there. I vote the cute one. Oh, snap. (laughs) Valentine's Day is coming up. Mm, Gotta grab that special somebody, you know what I mean. (laughs) The funny one, Wesley. Even I'll take any job for the right price. What's up, dorks? The commentator, Andrew. Uh, howdy. And our very own Jedi Archive, Dietrich. Let's dispense with the pleasantries. So we have a lot to get to this episode, a lot of good news, a lot of Book of Boba Fett. And we are just ready to get into it, so let's get to the news already. Now, hear this. Now, hear this. Now, hear this. Now, you hear this, whoever you are. So we have some huge news in the Star Wars world this week. We have the end of the Book of Boba Fett, but we also have an announcement for the Kenobi series. May the 25th is the release date. For Star Wars Kenobi. It makes me sad. Yeah. Why are you sad? Because it's not May the 4th. Yeah, but the 25th of May is the 45th anniversary uh, to A New Hope. So I, I'll i give it to him. I'd like to see it on May the 25th now. It's the 45th anniversary, man. Like his first appearance on screen. Well, not, um, not Ewan McGregor, but Obi-Wan is a character. I think May the 4th, though, we will get a... That'll probably be the final trailer. I bet the final trailer drops on May the 4th. I could see that. So you think there will be other trailers in between? Um, I wouldn't count out a, I wouldn't count out a Super Bowl trailer. Uh, we, we recorded this the day before the Super Bowl. So uh, you may be hearing this on Monday. Or excuse me, two days before the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, it's Friday. A trailer may have come out on Super Bowl Sunday that we are not aware of because we are not recording before Sunday. No, I don't think it'll be Super Bowl, but I definitely know there's going to have to be another trailer. I think I think there's only going to be two. I think Super Bowl and then uh, May the 4th. So we also got some news that Rupert Friend is going to play the Grand Inquisitor on the Kenobi series. That's pretty cool because now we know that the Grand Inquisitor is involved. The Inquisitors are aware of Obi-Wan, at least, it seems. So, pretty cool news. Well, they are... Aren't they searching for Obi-Wan in Rebels? Were they Were they specifically searching for Obi-Wan? Or just Jedi? No. I, I thought they were just searching for Jedi in general. I thought they knew that Ahsoka could potentially lead them to Obi-Wan. I thought that was a, a part of something. I could be wrong. I would have to go back and rewatch. I haven't seen Rebels in a bit. I don't remember that plot line. I don't remember if we talked about this before, but I'm a little disappointed that they they spoiled this villain, so to speak, in, in the Kenobi series already. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like a good reveal. Um, to get while you're watching the show. I agree with you, Wesley. But maybe it just sets up an even bigger cameo. But I don't know who, because, like, I think we already know that Darth Vader is making an appearance. 
Samuel L. Jackson. I'm calling it. We're going to see Mace Windu return in the Kenobi series. You heard it here first. <laughs> we're going to make sure yeah. it's a uh, cut. As soon as he appears on the screen, we're going to need a. Uh, we're going to need Wesley to record himself and give a live reaction to seeing him <laughs> in public for the first time since uh, since their breakup. It would be awkward, man. Yeah, it's like when you go to that party and your ex is there. You didn't expect him to be there, and it's just like you look away and then they look at you and then. You know, whenever you split up with somebody and you just wish the best for them? No. <laughs> well, I'm not that. I'm very petty. <laughs> I want the worst. <laughs> you can remain dead on the streets of Coruscant. That's right. I bet you were going to lose your other hand. I hope they don't do a lot with the Inquisitor, though. We already know how he ends. And he's yeah. not a match for Kanan. It kind of seems silly. Yeah, like that's that's kind of like my thing about why I think they were so easily saying, "Hey, this guy's in it," is because we already know his fate. We, we know he's going to live through the Kenobi series, um, and we know he's ultimately going to die to Kanan Jarrus. So, not a big reveal for me. There has to be something that we don't know in this series. There has to be some kind of deep truth, something that will relate to the new Disney series coming out. Star Killer. Something. I don't know what it is. Are they going to bring in Starkiller from The Force Unleashed? Ooh. If they bring in Starkiller from The Force Unleashed, I would be so happy. Oh, my gosh. Starkiller as an Inquisitor? Well, I mean, we've, we've got some good good characters that came out in, in Boba Fett. I mean, we already have Cad Bane, Black Chrysanthemum, two characters that were not widely known to the average Star Wars fan, and people received them very, very well. I remember it last week. We actually posted a TikTok, and a ton of people liked the TikTok, and the, we had a tweet uh, tweet about it, about uh, Cad Bane coming in. I mean, people loved it. We're liking it, and some people were saying, well, I've never seen this character before. I don't know who it is, but he is cool. He is my new favorite character. Like, I had, I saw tons of comments like that. So, I don't know, man. I think it's, I think it's a good risk to take. If this was people's first exposure to Cad Bane, then it was short-lived. <laughs> oh, we spoiler. Shall. We will we will get into that. Yeah, spoiler. We shall see. Next we have a little bit of a rumor. Rumor has it. So there is a rumor about an undisclosed Star Wars show something we don't know about, something that hasn't been announced, and it's supposedly, rumor has it, starts filming in June. It's going to be cool. <laughs> based, based off of what? I think it's going to suck. Well, what is it? I mean, it's going to be cool. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Who in the right mind decides to sit here and start up something new in Star Wars when we have the Mandalorian? Just stick with that. We've seen other things don't work. I'm going to tell you what. We definitely appeal to the average Star Wars fan because the average Star Wars fan loves Star Wars and also hates Star Wars. Uh, that's how it seems sometimes. Andrew had a great theory before the show when we were all discussing this uh, very briefly. I shouldn't have brought it up because I definitely forgot. But I think it'd be awesome if... We just had like a little, you know, just like Queen, but with Max Rebo and the band. You know what I mean? Oh. We can get more of that sick drummer. 
Dude, we need it. We need it. I think the drummer's dead, though, based on last week. Well, yeah, but he's got a backstory. He's got a family. You so know? you want a prequel. You want a Max Rebo prequel. Yeah. I want a whole trilogy. Wait, isn't Max Rebo the drummer? No, nah, he's yeah, the keyboardist. Dude. Or whatever oh, they call it. Dude. Oh, okay. Tickling the ivories. The, the R2 unit. Or the astromech. So this is what I propose, Andrew. We should have, like, Max Rebo present day stuff. And then flashbacks, like Book of Boba Fett. Because like, I want to know how he escapes the sanctuary. I want to know why he wasn't there that night. Like, what, what happenstance got in his way? Like, where was he playing at? He had done too much spice the, the night before, and he was just like, what, what's the, Garza? He was just like, Garza, I can't come in. I just, uh, my head is just, oh, it's, uh, it's too much. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be three episodes about a flashback about how he got into music and how he kind of got into, because before that, he was a bounty hunter, a very unsuccessful bounty hunter. <laughs> then he became a super famous musician, and then we'll have four episodes that are probably just Mandalorian episodes. You know, I, I think I'd watch that. It all ties together, you know? I know I'd watch it. I know I'd watch it. Amazing. Oh, I could... Everything you just said was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Book, book, of, <laughs> book of Rebo, episode one. The Night Spice saved my life. I'm here for it. The Night Spice, baby. The Knights of Spice. So we, we have some news on the new Andor series. It has already been renewed for season two. And we don't even know how well received season one is because it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> That's very bold, you know, not to even show season one yet and, and to renew for season two. Like, what if it sucks? What if nobody wants this trash? See, and I'm... This is one that I'm really not all that excited about, if I'm being honest. I, I like Andor, I like his character, but... I know all I need to know about him at this point. I think we get enough of that in Rogue One. As much as I love the movie and the characters, I think I think I have enough on uh, Andor. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I'm I'm a casual fan who likes to think he's a hardcore fan, but I don't know who Andor is, so I don't even care. He's um, Andor was the guy from Rogue One. The uh, yeah the, uh, the the like white guy with the hair he was hispanic yeah that one cassian andor yeah that was yeah yeah uh, see i i really didn't care for his character i didn't it wasn't bad he was a conquistador of the universe not really uh, I, I he was a rebel though. he's like he's like a scoundrel type of person i don't care about the he kissed jen urso at the end <laughs> he's like a rebel officer what are y'all talking about yeah but i mean he just kind of did things underhandedly yeah, I guess he that's was a fair. spy. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's all part of the web of lies that I call the sequels. Well, it wasn't a sequel. It was. It was. This would be a prequel, technically. Right before, it was right before a new hope. It's still after the fact. It's a character that was introduced after the fact. It's Disney. I see your point. He's he's yeah. a he's a Disney man. <laughs> Only a Disney man can. It's not all Disney characters are bad. That's true. I mean, I, I like some of them. I mean, and I, I even like Finn and Ray and them if they had done them correctly. I just don't think that their stories were done well. I think they were interesting characters at the beginning, like they had good potential, but it just didn't go anywhere for me. I think Rogue One is one of the better things Disney has done. Yeah, I think yes, it's the best thing Disney has done. I do agree Disney with that. Done. Rogue One was amazing. It is a great movie. 
And I like, and like I said, I like Cassian Andor. I, I really do. I like his banner with uh, KSO. Um, great, great stuff. It, it was, it was a great movie. I just don't know how much more I want of him, honestly. <laughs> so, Dork Wars the podcast has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising. What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. Merchandising. Merchandising. What's that? Oh my God! Did you buy our? We have Dork Wars the hoodie. We have Dork Wars the T-shirt. Dork Wars the coffee mug. And yes, we even have Dork Wars the backup life support system. No, I'm just kidding. We do not have Dork Wars the backup life support system. That stuff is very costly, and we cannot give it to you at an affordable rate unless you have insurance. So uh, just go through Grant. He's got all that set up, and uh, we'll try to help you out. But you can find our merch store on our link tree. Just type in Dork Wars link tree on Google. You will find everywhere we are and our merch store. So check us out. Dork Wars the Podcast is also a part of a conglomerate of other dorky, geeky Star Wars podcasts. It's the Red 5 Network. Roll the promo. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. So tonight we are talking about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7. I love that intro song. Tonight, we are talking about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, In the Name of Honor. This is the way. Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7. We're going to go on and do our blind ratings with no explanation to begin our talk, and then we will come back around at the end to see if we've changed. Grant, 1 out of 10, what do you give the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7? 4 out of 10. Oh, <laughs> Jeez Louise. Wow. Wesley, for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, 1 out of 10, what's your rating? Let's give it a 9. What? So I suppose Andrew falls somewhere between there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, your rating for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7. I give it a 6.5. And Dietrich, your rating for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7. I give it a five. What about you, Blake? Hey, Blake, why don't you tell us what you think? Tell us what you think. <laughs> Blake, just please give us a rating. Darn you all! In the name of the Sith, die. My rating for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, 5.5. I'm, I'm the outlier here. Yes. Yeah, you Yeah, you are. You were you were I mean, you were through the roof, man. You would have thought that Mace Windu came in there and got jackknifed by uh Boba Fett or something. <laughs> no, it Don't would have worry, been Boba I'll... Fett that did it. That's what I just said. It had Cad Bane in it, so it's a great episode. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it uh, had the Power Rangers in it, so I loved it personally. I don't know about mm. you guys. So let's get right into it. Chapter seven starts off in the ruins of the sanctuary. Um, the Pikes have blown this place up, so why not just gather here and make it our base? But why make a base? 
Why make a base? Well, because there's war now. We see that uh, right here that Boba and Finnick are having a little chat, and she's like, well, it's come to war. Last episode, she was talking about it may come to war, and it's war now. They really escalate quickly. So, okay, all right. This is part of my issue with, so far, the entire series, and may maybe... Maybe just Disney canon right now overall. I feel like they they underutilize the jetpacks. Like if you have the higher ground, which jetpacks would give you the higher ground, why would you even concentrate a force to defend a place that is really not even strategically advantageous? Right there, there there is no strategicness to the location of the sanctuary unless it's just right in the middle of the city. I mean, I could see maybe if it's centrally located. I, I don't know where's the where's the sanctuary located. I think the sanctuary is a symbol, and I think that it's not that it's the best place to hold. I mean, as you see later on the episode, obviously I can't talk about it without spoiling it, but they do utilize the jetpacks, and this is like the first time they actually utilize them. That's right. Um, they're, they're, we got to put a spoiler warning on this, guys. I forgot to do that before now, but uh, spoilers. Attention. Spoilers. If you have not seen the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, and you've made it this far somehow, turn around, watch the episode, come back and listen to us. But great point, Andrew. Um, Sanctuary does seem to be a symbol uh, of hope, and I, I really feel bad for mistrusting Garza now. Like, I, I've mistrusted her this entire series. I always thought she had her own agenda. Why is it, it a symbol like of hope? I'm just asking, like, why do y'all think it's a symbol of hope? It's not. A, I don't think it's a symbol of hope. I think that just like because it's okay. So back the way I see Tatooine is a bunch of little, like a bunch of little urban towns, tiny urban towns that are surrounded by a territory of a bunch of rural people. And so what you'll find in that type of a town is like the most popular places are where everybody goes to party. And yeah. it seems like this is the most popular place in the town. So I, I'm just saying it seems like a, a, a symbol of centralism, not least, like a symbol of hope. I agree with Andrew here. I think it's a symbol of unity. Like he was saying, like, this is where everyone comes to have a good time. And whether they necessarily, like, intermix between the transdotions, or, God, transdotions. Whether they mix together <laughs> transdotions and... um. Humans and humans and draw, you know, the, the Twi'leks and the humans, whether they communicate at all, they're all in the same place. They all come here. This is the most popular place in the city. It symbolizes unity. At least it does for me. That's what it seems. And plus, it's the place they just blew up as well, you know? So that might even help even more in the symbolism. Maybe I misunderstood that scene, but when they were trying to identify where to make a base i didn't take that they were trying to make it literally right there in that blown up sanctuary i thought that meant like in that locate in that area of that part of city um because other choice was like more outside the city back in um back in the huts palace yeah, back in boba's palace yeah well that's a good point they dude. tried to hold that location unnecessarily for a long period though yeah like, there's no reason to try to hold territory, especially when your whole entire army is about 10 people big, you know? Like, That's why? True. You know, hold why light, not but... utilize your strengths? Your strengths are you have the height advantage, you have mobility, especially with your little speeder gang. Why try to defend anything? 
you know be aggressive because that's where they're coming it's they're coming because it's their town that's the whole point of the entire show well and that and that like and he, the the people in the town i'm sorry andrew keep no no you're right i you're guess right. it's just I my mean, I, I, so, a problem i have with their tactics to defend the town the town could be blown up all around them if they try to hold this one little central location they should be using their mobility to move around to various locations within the town yeah i well, can see what you're saying and that does end up happening <laughs> and we'll and we'll get to that part in a moment. I do want to talk about this is where the Mando walks in before the uh, the uh, two robot teenagers talk. Can, can I give a moment about his Craig? plan to retreat? Yeah, yeah, you can get to a gripe. Yeah, we we it's it's a little early for gripes, but yeah, you know, we we can we can get one in. We can get one in. Oh, we we griping. Early bird gripe. This is an early bird gripe. Another example of Boba Fett just not really being a good leader because it was it was his idea. Like, hey, well, I'm I'm gonna head back to to uh, the Hut Palace and, you know, figure things out. And it was like the um, Jen Erso going through a punk phase looking girl um, that said, hey, no, we need to stay here. We need to defend our people. It's like, it's always other people's ideas, other people's actions that, that are leading, not Boba Fett. But Well, Boba's never led anything in his life. Like, Boba's still learning to lead. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what this whole show is about and what the whole point of the show is. Yeah, but a big thing with Boba Fett compared to other people is he takes other people's advice and he brings other people into the fold as allies. So I'll give him that. That's a big difference, you know? Yeah, I'll give him that. that's a sign of a good leader. I mean, I've, I've worked for bosses who have never listened to me and I couldn't stand those guys, but the guys that did listen to me and took my advice when it was right or corrected me when I was wrong and did it in a, a good way, you know, that's... That, those are the people I cling to. So I can I can see where a good leader would do this. I do want to get to uh, Mando's little part. He comes in before that conversation. And um, Finnick and Boba ask him, you know, did he get his, his foot soldiers? And Boba said, or Boba, excuse me, Din says yes. I believe they're coming. Um, I, I don't know how it's brought up, but I know that Boba says, okay, so the people from Mos Pelgo are coming here. And he says, no, wait a minute. That's Freetown. Get it right. Don't get it twisted. They're Such very peculiar Don't get it about twisted, their names, man. You know. It's not Mos Pelgo anymore. It is Freetown. And they Welcome want you to, to know Freetown. I love how every time they have to correct somebody, the person they're correcting is like, oh, okay, okay. Freetown. Excuse great. me. Freetown. Excuse me. Yeah, and then Boba, yeah, and then Boba yes, the citizens of Freetown, have my word, um, because the citizens of Freetown want the spice to go away. So Boba agrees to those terms. And Wesley, that's another thing that he does, and he takes, he's still, he's hard on his stance, even though Fennec Shand is like, nah, we should definitely keep the spice money flowing. But he sticks to his guns, and he's like, no, we're not going to keep the spice going. So it's like, yeah. he, he does take advice sometimes, but then there are like hard lines in the sand that he won't cross. Yeah, yeah. The, the spice is killing his people. Like it's it's messing up Tatooine as a whole, but more specifically, Mos Espa, which is his charge. I still don't understand. Like it's like sometimes he acts like he's talking for Tatooine, and then sometimes he acts like he's talking for just Mos Espa, and he's like, "There's many lines where they're basically saying, no, you're going to leave Tatooine.' Well, he's only the daimyo of like Mos Espa, and then his little palace, right? I don't quite understand how it really works. I don't yeah. either because Jabba seemed to like rule all of Tatooine. Right. You know, I mean, it, it seems like he had his grip on the because, entire planet. 
because Jabba was part of a crime syndicate. Yeah. So he was able to control the entire plane. I mean, they were doing, they've been doing, the thing that I don't understand is why they're making it seem like Spice is a new thing when Spice has been known to run while Jabba was in power. That's the only thing that confuses me. I mean, well, I can understand why sometimes he would refer to it as Mos Espa, and sometimes he would refer to it as, like, my Tatooine. It's just all about, uh, uh what's the word? Like, not cadence, but the, the little things that surround a sentence. Like, I think it's just different. I don't think it really means, like, I think it's just silly to get hung up on that well and i don't think that we're supposed to believe spice is a new thing i think that we're supposed to the pikes are new yeah the pikes are what's new yeah Yeah. the the spice isn't new but if we're gonna get rid of the pikes we might as well get rid of the spice that has caused all these problems for so many years on tattooing there's a reason that the land is devastated no one has anything it's the spice uh uh, well maybe not maybe I, i mean not the hardship that people go through not not the natural state of the land, but the the it's just it's just part of the thing. The slavery, that's part of the spice, right? The spice trade makes an already hard existence harder. Right. I, I can agree with that. It's interesting the kids seem so focused on defending the people when they were kinda hating the people at one point and a street gang at the same time. And now it's they're very, freedom fighters. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, they're just doing whatever they're being told because they're being paid to. Right, but why are they now sticking their necks out instead of running back to the, you know, the hut palace? They, they're the ones who are like getting paid well, I think. And they've seen what I mean. If I don't know, if I was them and I was getting paid well, and I saw Boba Fett who definitely would whoop ass, and Finnick Shand who whooped out ass, like Finnick Shand who you definitely. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they definitely have a history. They don't even, Some type of reputation. They don't even have to be paid well. Like if you reappropriate people that don't have a purpose and give them a reason or give them a purpose and provide them shelter and things, then then they'll serve you. Star Wars is beautiful. It's not that they're not serving Boba Fett. I get that they are a hundred percent on board, but the fact that they're now willing to stick their necks so far out for the people of Mos Espa instead of just running back to the Hut Palace with Boba Fett, is interesting, and I don't think is in character as we've seen them interact with other people on Mos Espa. Well, maybe, Espa. well maybe they have seen what Boba stands for. They respect that. He stuck his neck out for them when he didn't have to. And now they're going to stick their neck out for the people of Mos Espa, even though they don't have to. It's character development. Characters do that. Yes, I give you that. I think that there's a problem with within the show itself where there's a lot of liberties that are being taken, a lot of stuff that isn't being fully explained, and it leaves too many gaps for people like you and me to see see it in completely two different ways, when really it would just be fixed by adding one extra episode or lengthening all the other episodes by 10 minutes. I can agree. As long as that extra episode is a Boba Fett episode. Uh, for right. me, for me, right. I don't want another episode about Boba Fett. I, I've had enough. I've had enough of this entire series. It's just the Mandalorian I, episodes are I'm great, okay but it. like, it just feels like this story was just put together because people wanted a Boba Fett show. So they said, "All right, we'll just uh, throw him on Tatooine. He wants to be a crime boss, and we'll uh, we'll give the people what they want." And then they failed huh. at doing that. 
I don't know, man. I think, I think people are right. too critical. I will, I, think... s- I will say this. I think it seemed like they had written this episode before they had written everything else. And they're like, how can we get all of these characters in this one place? We have to now write from the end backwards. And that is not good storytelling. So I think people are very critical of this series. And we should be. We should be critical of our media. And that, that's, that's why we do what we do. We're podcasting. That's, that's part of it. And it's cool that we all have differing opinions. But I really think that the series as a whole was good. I think it seems to me that there were two seasons of a show, and not even the same show, packed into one series. Or half a season of two shows packed into one series. And one season has Boba and Finnick in their present day and the the past, and you have the flashbacks, and I really enjoy the flashbacks. I love seeing what happened to Boba out of the Sarlacc pit, the Tusken Raiders. I was a Tusken Raider fanboy, and John Favreau killed him. Thanks, John. Um, I love those parts of the show. The present day stuff in those episodes were not the best, and we got some development. We had some really good moments, Black Chrysanthemum. Uh, we had the, uh, I think it was just Black Chrysanthemum, really. Black Chrysanthemum, like, beating up on the Trandoshans and him being introduced. The Jabba twins, the the Hut twins. And that's, yeah, so every, every, everything had to move fast, and that's why it was like an instant payoff for every single thing. Yeah, why? and, and I, My- think a lo- I think longer episodes would have lended to better storytelling. We could have gotten that leap from the Mighty Morphin Power Kids being little delinquents to them having honor and standing up for their home. We, we could have had that development because I think that's what they were trying to do, but we didn't have enough time to get from point A to point B with those characters. Which is another reason I think this episode is weak, and I think a lot of the issues that the sequel trilogy suffered from, this episode in particular also suffers from. Because it's a lot of spectacle with very little substance. It's like... They want us to get to this point, but they have not earned the build-up to the point. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And building off that, and you just mentioned the Hut Twins, they show up for one episode at the end, and then they show up at the next one. It's like, hey, we're done. We're gone. And then nothing else happens with them. Like, they, they plant a little seed. They're saying, hey, you know, you know, the Huts are always out for themselves, but they never actually do anything with that. It just seems like it's wasted. And, and we all speculated that there was something more with the Huts. That is yet to be seen. There could be, who knows, or maybe a Book of Boba Fett Season 2. Who knows? But as it stands now, it, it doesn't seem like those characters are going anywhere. Like, there's, there's no plans for them. Well, I think, I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see them. And we're going to see them again in other material. You know, Mandalorian Season 3, possibly... Um, Possibly Andor, but it will be, you know, the older Boba Fett. I think it's more likely we'll also see uh, Tamara Morrison play, you know, one of the other clones. Probably Rex at some point in live action. Yeah, probably Ahsoka. Probably in the Ahsoka series. Probably, if I had to, yeah. And maybe maybe even Kenobi. Possibly. Yeah. I think he's a little too old to be really playing how, you know. Well, that didn't stop from with Mark Hamill. That's true. Yeah, they can do whatever they want to now with the power of CGI and what and whatnot. So, so this is the part of the episode where Cad Bane shows up in Mos Eisley at the uh, at the Pike headquarters. He comes down the steps, um, and the head Pike guy. I don't think he has a name. No one in this 
show has a name, it seems, except for Boba Fett and the pre-established Mando characters. Um, what well, the head Pike guy isn't he the mayor? No, the no, mayor's no, 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 no. The mayor. The the mayor's the guy sitting next to him. With the long mayor's hair. On with the, the oh, face. I'm sorry. I yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's no problem. You're good. So the head Pike guy asks Cad, "Is it taken care of? Or are the are the people of Moss Pelgo gonna go help Boba Fett?" And Cad Bane stops him right there. He says, "No, that is Freetown, sir." <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this is Freetown, Moss Pelgo. Actually, I don't know if he even calls it Moss Pelgo. I think he just asks if Vanth is gonna go up there, and he says the citizens of Freetown are not gonna be helping Boba Fett. And I, I didn't really I, understand this whole scene in general. It, <laughs> like, why? Why was Cad Bane so judgy? Like, I don't know of a, a better word for it. I don't understand why he cared so much. What anybody thought? Judgy about the Pikes? Yeah, like he's just all over the Pikes. He's like, oh, you guys are oh, oh, so bad, oh. It's Cad Bane. He's like the baddest yeah. of them all. I just... Right. I think that's just to illustrate the point that they were the ones who actually killed the Tuscans and not the Swoop Gang. It was yeah. not that Nikto Bike Gang. It was the Pikes the entire time. So this is where we find this information out for real, a hundred percent that the Nikto Biker Gang did not kill the Tuscans. It was the Pikes, and I presume that Cad Bane did the killing. They probably hired Cad Bane. I don't. I don't know that for sure. Well, no, I mean, he sounds like he's surprised that they yeah. were the ones to do it, though. So I don't think they hired him. I just think they did it themselves with their own men. Well, still, so are we Are we saying that the Pikes would be stronger than the Nikto Bike Gang, the small amount of Pikes on the planet that, at that time? Their shooters seem pretty accurate. From that, that is true. From the moving train. That is true. You're right. You're right. Cat, so they... So... Cad Bane wasn't involved because... Because they were because the Pike leader was telling Cad Bane, and then Cad Bane shared this later with, uh, um, right, yeah. So, but Cad Bane, he, but Cad Bane knew, didn't he? He, he just no, found he out. Didn't. No, did he? Find That's why the scene is important. Yeah, because that scene is like where we learn that it's it's the Pikes who did it, and Cad Bane is learning this information, and he's now going to go use that information against Boba Fett to yep. get under his skin. Yeah. yeah. So I do want to hone in on Cad Bane's political correctness. He is all about Freetown. I'm um, I'm happy that it's it's Moss Pelgo no more. It's Freetown, baby. It's Freetown. Do you think they got a sign? I doubt it. You're probably not. They're poor people. They ain't got a pot to piss in over there in Freetown. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where the episode really ramps up for a lot of people. Um we see an X-Wing come in from space. R2 unit beeping and whittling all the way. They're coming in for a landing at Pelimoto's uh, hangar. Her hangar of all hangars. Really? Did, did y'all see the R2 unit immediately? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right on top. But, you know, everyone thought, oh my gosh, Luke Skywalker's coming to Tatooine. Luke Skywalker did not come to Tatooine. He doesn't like sand either. Yeah, I guess not, dude. Bad memories. Bad memories. It just feels cheap to me that they, that they didn't show us Grogu making his decision. And, and I know it's probably because it was cheaper there's not to. There's a reason. No, there's a reason. There is a reason we didn't see that scene. 
because they didn't have the budget to make Dark Hamill look like that young again. <laughs> oh my That's gosh. The reason. It's Disney. Disney has the budget to buy my freedom right now. I don't think yeah. it has anything to oh. do with a budget. They didn't show us that scene because there's something important in it. Guaranteed. I think you're just overthinking it. Well, you were. Same. we've all been wrong about everything in Star Wars up to this point, so why can't we be wrong right now? I don't know, man. Biggest lesson I've learned is not to assume anything. I don't think it's the last time we've seen the de-aged Mark Hamill interact with Grogu. I think there's going to be another another time that I'm not sure if it's going to be a full training or anything, but I think we're going to see him again. Remember, Luke left Yoda to go save a friend or his group of friends, and mm. Grogu is essentially going back to help save his father. And I think Luke might pick up on that Dang. some way through the Force. I the sequels tell me otherwise. I disagree. The sequels tell me otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Grogu's going to like stay with Luke to any degree, but I don't think it's the last time we see I, Luke I, interact with Grogu. No, yeah, I, I think don't he think made it's... his choice. I think the, the final episode, or the final scene of the last episode was make a choice. And then the first time we see him, he's made a choice. I mean, it's that simple. I think I don't think there should, like, I really don't see looking... Did so any of y'all expect it. to see Grogu so soon after he left Din Djarin? No, and that's no. why I hated it. I thought it was a bad decision, personally. I'm just saying, they, they've made some choices that don't exactly make sense. I just don't think Luke, this is the end of Luke's story with Grogu. No. I, don't... I think Blake is right. I think we're about to see Grogu with a dark saber. I didn't even say that. <laughs> Did you say that last episode? I mean, I... somebody last episode suggested that. I made, it, I made maybe... the analogy that Grogu, much like Tar Vizsla back a thousand years ago, who was the one who made the dark saber, he was a force-using Mandalorian, technically a Jedi. Grogu is also in a way, kind of like that character, right? He is a Force-using, now Mandalorian. Yes. Who has been trained as yes. a Jedi. Who has somewhat been yeah. trained as a Jedi. And that's my analogy I think there. that's the direction they're going in. But that's I don't know I if he's going to get the Darksaber. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to get the Darksaber like in the Season 3 of The Mandalorian. I think it's something that's going to happen no. on down the road. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. We'll see. In the sequel, sequel trilogy... So, Pelimoto thinks that the Space Cops, the New Republic uh, Rangers, are coming to do something to her. I don't know. She's got some illegal stuff going on. Maybe she's selling spice. Well, she was talking about she applied for some kind of permit or something right as the ship was landing. She right. was like, oh, what a coincidence. I just got this license. Uh, I just applied <laughs> for it. I, it's, it's all in the up and up, right? I, I don't know exactly what she said, but she was trying to cover for, you know, for getting something. pulled over, essentially. Who knows, man? Like she's she's a character. I'm I'm really enjoying Pelimoto in this series. I actually, yeah. like she's her. gold. Everything like, she does, I love. I do too. I liked her in the Mandalorian, but I feel like she's really shown here in the last couple episodes of uh, Book of Boba Fett. So Pelly goes up, and the uh, the hatch opens, and she looks in there, and she finds little baby Yoda Grogu, and it, it's like Pelly is a is a voice for us, the audience. And she's like, oh, here he is, blah, 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 and R2-D2. And uh, she says, his name is Grogu? What? I'm not going to call him that. <laughs> is that is that not like a lot of Star Wars fans you know? We're not calling him Grogu, we're calling him Baby Yoda. That line was for us, for sure. Yeah, it, uh, dude, it I was thought funny. it was so sitcom-y. I don't know, dude. It's so self-aware. It. It's so self-aware. It's too and sentient. 
And then R2 is insistent on bringing uh, Grogu to Din himself. And Pelimoto's like, no, I got this. Baby's got to eat. So the baby eats. And insane. So we're back to the ruined sanctuary. And the uh, the folks are, uh, Boba, Boba and Finnick are talking about how their forces are scattered across the city, who they have where. We have the Biker Patrol, but just two of them. Just two of the Mighty Morphin Power Kids going through, I guess, all of Mos Espa. Um, we have Black Chrysanthemum in the Trandoshan quarter for some reason. <laughs> it makes no sense. Even if you take out like the fact that they're at war, like why would you put... Blacker Santa near the Trandoshans, he's likely to just go off for no reason. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we we like, have already seen we have already seen him go off for no reason on Trandoshans. What four three episodes ago? Yeah, and this whole idea of just splitting all your forces up when you already know you're going to be outnumbered, just like Makes what no the sense. heck are you thinking? I mean, typically battle strategy in Star Wars is bad, but this is like next level bad. It, like, it, it's just plain out ignorant, dumb, stupid. I don't even know what to say about it. Like, you, usually when you have, you know, less forces like the Rebels did, you know, guerrilla warfare, you know, hit him in the streets, run through, and then circle that's, back around and hit him again at a different That's angle. what I'm saying. They should not try to defend a location. They should just use their mobility, their speeders, their jetpacks. They should be hitting soft targets around the city. And when, when they see those, like, pikes come in, you know, Zoom in on the speeders, throw some grenades, speed off, fly by, drop some missiles. I don't know. It makes no sense to try to hold a location against superior forces. Right, and just to think that Chrysanthemum could take the whole that whole sector of the city, and if Pikes and like all that come at him, he's going to be able to hold it all by himself. The the mighty Morphin biker gang. There's apparently three of them somewhere because we only see two of them roaming on their bikes through Moses, but there's three of them somewhere that are about to get mowed down by a ton of forces. Um, Boba and Fennec are sitting there in the, the ruins, and I guess Mando, too, are sitting there in the ruins of the sanctuary. You know, if someone comes after them, there's three of them. I mean, albeit they're, they're all armored and have a lot of cool weapons, but enough forces come in, they're going to be taken out. You forgot the most important people in this entire show, the best people, the best characters we got out of the show. The Gamorreans at the spaceport by themselves holding yes. it down. Dude, that's dude. correct. Oh man, the I cried a little bit. Those poor Gamorreans at the well, we hadn't even got. We can't even cry about know, them yet. I know. I know. We well, can't cry about them yet. Yeah, we can't. But it's just like, why do you split up so far? Where you where these kids on their little speeders have to drive around for several scenes? Where were you talking? Well, you know, that's I'm enough time is, to go through. All I'm saying is they couldn't even give the Gamorians a couple guns, a couple pistols or something. Like, these cats have nothing but axes. Nobody two, has guns. Yeah. Two giant green pigs with axes are going to take out people with guns. Like, it just didn't make any sense. When they're sitting at the spaceport, I'm thinking, well, why doesn't Boba get in his ship and literally shoot the gum- shoot any pikes that show up? Shoot their right. ship okay. before it lands. And we'll find out, like, though, it's not just pikes. We, we, it's not just pikes. We don't know that yet, yeah. of course. But it's not just... Well, right, yeah. but a, a but big problem ex- with this, though, is that they have air superiority for the entire battle and never use never either use one it. of the Naboo fighters or the Slave One, which is, a.k.a. the fire spray for being PC, you know? Well, I'm, I'm thinking, though, if you use the fire spray Slave One or the, the Naboo Starfighter, 
do you not run the risk of destroying a bunch of buildings for no reason? I think they're trying to keep city damage minimal. I mean, I think that's the point. Uh, it, it doesn't. Beyond. I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying it happened. Bro. I'm saying that's the point. <laughs> beyond that, though, I mean, if you you know that they're coming on transports, why don't you just shoot down the transports as they come in? They don't even get on the ground. You can't. You don't. They don't even get a chance to fight. Okay, okay, in all fairness, Grant, he doesn't want to kill civilians, and he doesn't know, because we've seen the pikes come in on those civilian, like, buses, basically. You know, they're casualties in war. <laughs> Grant says kill them anyway. Kill him Grant's, Grant's going a I little mean, dark. God, God will sort them. You gotta think about it. I mean, how many uh, civilians probably got killed in the aftermath uh, of what was going on in the, in the city anyway? But that was necessary. They had to do that. That's where the battle took place. Did they really? They, they could have went out anywhere else. I don't know. The middle of the desert. It isn't like they live Who? on a desert planet where nobody lives. Who and could have fight gone out there. to the middle of the desert? They said, no, let's fight in this city because we want this city. It, it's just it's like, the only why? city in their territory. Yeah. <laughs> they have to defend the only city in their territory. I don't Despite understand why the pikes running spice concept. across the entire planet that we literally figure out the previous episode, they're like, this one city is going to make all the difference. For their territory, but there's not yes. a lot of cities. Yes, there's a lot. There's it's one of the hot spots of Tatooine. That's one of the hot spots. Established. You have yeah, to have. You have to have Mos Espa. The Pikes are the ones that struck here, so they struck the war first. As Boba Fett doesn't want to strike in his own people. All I'm saying I mean, is, just, it was just this really is just dumb. such a crazy hang up to me because it's the most simplest explanation, and you guys are looking for like a whole other show to explain why all this is happening. I'm not looking for another like, show to explain. I'm just like looking, trying to figure out why Boba decided. I don't want. He he literally says, "I don't want any civilians." You know, he you guys were saying he doesn't want civilians to get hurt. Then why did he fight in a city? He probably got all the civilians to leave. To be honest. I mean, they're, they're nowhere they to be seen a... during the battle. I will say that. I'm not saying they've left, but they've at least hunkered down. I still think, okay, okay, regardless of how you might feel about whatever, the fact that we had to have a ground battle for this is interesting because they had complete air superiority the entire time. But my argument for that is in Star Wars, they overutilize vehicles way too much in the real world on a Tatooine planet where there aren't that many resources and your biggest town in an entire your biggest area in like an entire territory is one little town how are you just going to be flying your spaceship around because we're going to be getting fuel okay that's an interesting uh hang up because we never even worry about fuel pretty much ever in Star Wars. Yeah, just, I mean, I agree, but, like, that's, I mean, it seems we've like... We've seen the Slave 1 be able to just basically, like, stabilize and hover. He could come in, point his cannons in that street where they all seem to line up. Yeah, but he got some big cannons, man. That's some big explosions. That's still, you're still going to take out a building or two, and I understand We've what seen those saying. same cannons be fired on the Camino deck and not really destroy the deck. Oh, that's, I mean, that's true, too. I mean, I think we're just getting down to brass tacks in a universe where brass tacks don't exist. Like I said, they wanted, they, the writers of this show really seem like they wanted all of this cool epic stuff. And it is pretty, like, the sights and the explosions and the sounds and the, and the fights are kind of cool in that Michael Bay, like, just, just overwhelm your senses kind of way. But they're, they're lacking of substance and they're lacking of any kind of real strategy. I mean, I can agree with that. So here is some of the substance for me in the episode. We get the Cad Bane Boba Fett showdown part one. The standoff, as it seems. That was so, a cool scene. 
it was a cool scene. You got Cad Bane walk up in his usual cool demeanor, stranger from the desert type of deal. And Boba comes out to meet him. And one of one of my one of one of the things that bothers me is how did Cad Bane know that Cobb Vance had Boba Fett's armor at one time? That's one thing that was left unsaid. So, and I, I have a theory about this later. Well, so I'm coming not- soon, episode five, Mandalorian season three. So I know that Cobb Vanth is, he's pretty famous. He's pretty much been trying to take the spice down by himself. That's garnered him a reputation. Um, everybody knows that Moss Pelgo is now Freetown. It, the word is spreading fast. So Cobb Vanth's kind of famous. So maybe him and that armor are a little bit famous. I'm, I'm not sure how long he had it. I guess a couple years. But I'm just, I'm interested to know how famous Cobb Vanth is over the whole of Tatooine. Because it seems like everybody knows who he is. They do make a reference, or at least Din makes the reference, that Cobb has been trying to fight back the drug trade or the spice trade for a while now. So I don't think that scene we get where he does stop that little drug deal, I don't think that's the first time he's really engaged in something like that. So maybe the Pikes knew from years past that an armored sheriff has been messing with them too. And they probably just told him. I mean, that's again, we're we're inferring some stuff, but I think it's it's probably if he had it for several years, and the Pikes have been trying to move in on this territory since uh, Jabba's Jabba was killed, right? And that was about the time that he got the armor. So it makes sense that for a couple of years now, you know, up to five, he's been messing with their drug trade. So Cad Bane reveals that the Pikes are the ones that killed the Tuscans in in the standoff. He tells Bulba this. And Boba Fett almost loses it. We see him go. For, he's about to go for the, the blaster and try to shoot Cad. I mean, he's going to try to kill Cad Bane. We see Cad Bane kind of flick towards his his uh, blaster pistol. Really cool scene. And Fennec kind of calms Boba down a little bit. And Cad Bane says this to, to Boba Fett. He says, you're going soft in your old age. And Boba retorts to him, we all do. Um... I think that's pretty telling. It's it's oh, it's such a daunting line. Like, it's just cool. It's just a cool line. Yeah, man. Bobby's really not that old, though. He's really not. He's like forty eight. Yeah, I mean, is I mean that's that not like, that, that old. Like fifty two, maybe. He's not. He's not. What? He was like what? A teenager in the Clone Wars. He was a kid. Yeah. 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 I mean, no. I'm. I'm saying he's really not that old. Like. I mean, he's probably in his, he's probably in his, he's probably around 40, 45. And he's been active his entire life. So he's fit. I mean, he's not old at all. That's one thing about the show is the timeline's a little vague because we don't really know how long he was with the Tuscan Raiders and how much time has passed through all these things. We, we do know it's about five years after the return of the Jedi. We know it's about five years after that. Yeah, we definitely know a timeline now. Right. Well, we don't know his exact age in uh, Attack of the Clones. It's presumably around, I guess, between like 10. 10, 10 and 12. I mean, it's been 10 years since the clones have started, but when did they clone Boba, like, Boba for him? When? So he had to be 10. If it's been 10 years since the clone army was made, he'd be 10, right? That's true. Yeah, Unless 10, he, he was like... He one of the first ones. He was the first one. He was the first clone made, yeah. supposedly. He's the Alpha. 
But did they make him yeah. before they started the mass production? Was he like a test? Who I don't know. So about ten, but somewhere between ten and eleven. Yeah, the, that was a very good cinematic scene. You can feel the intensity, and it was kind of funny because we, even though Boba Fett has all the eyes all over the city, um, Cad Bane was still able to finesse his way behind the line. He just strolled in there, man. And the sanctuary, I, I think, is supposed to be closer to the center of the city, right? So I mean, he just waltzed up in there. No one stopped well, him. Remember, all of their all of their scouts, quote unquote, all of their other forces are either being like messed up or have died or not yet. You know, not, not yet. That, not no, yet. That, 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 they just got dispersed. Yeah, yeah, they just got dispersed. So like, he was free to kind of move throughout the city how he needed to. Well, he was because I mean, I guess like Chrysanthemum couldn't see all over. Yeah, Chrysanthemum couldn't see they, his whole little sends, area. The, he sends Finnick right after that scene to go, you know, do what she's got to do. Correct. It's it's at this juncture right here after Boba says we all do. That is when all heck breaks loose in Mos Espa. The residents of Mos Espa or the ones left turn on Boba and his team. Um, they the Trandoshans go on and attack Black Chrysanthemum. You know he's not too happy about that. Um, them poor piggies, man. The the Gamorians they. It was brutal. They deserve better. They did. They got pushed over the side. Like, they didn't even shoot them. They had guns and didn't even shoot them. They pushed them over the side, man. This this little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stayed home. And them piggies ain't coming home, man. They're not. Oh, they didn't deserve that. I literally... <laughs> that might be bad, but I said, I wish it was the, those kids instead. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd have... I, I don't know. It's kind of like the Tuscans, man. Like I have a respect for the Gamorrean guards now. They they got some honor, man. It goes with the episode. They have honor. But you know, in Star Wars, if you don't see a body, then they're still alive. <laughs> I mean, they got they come back with robot legs. I mean, they they thick. The modifier is gonna give them wings. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying when when, when pigs, pigs fly? fly. Right. <laughs> man, I think. I think uh, I think it's heavily implied that uh, most most of the uh, residents of Tatooine eat what they kill, so they're probably going to end up as Gamorrean bacon at some point. So, All I know is they can make a lot of bacon off of them. After this, we see the Mighty Morphin Power Kids pinned down, and they're they're just getting shot at by the uh, the remaining residents of the town. Uh, the Pikes, I believe, have moved in as well. There's just this whole all-out war. It's the going- Aqualish gang. Yeah, the, the Aqualish. Ooh, the Aqualish. They're they're deadly, man. I mean, they're just putting putting the fire down on the the Mighty Morphin Power Kids. And who comes to save the day? Fennec Shand. I mean, just takes out these guys. Too bad she didn't make it to the Gamorrean Guards. Like, I wish she would have made it to the spaceport first. But oh, hold your position. We're about to die. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, okay. I just love how I love how no one even you know checks on anybody after they finish they're like okay let's just sit here and not go and help anyone else we're just gonna sit here and hold our position now you know all the guys died that were shooting at us or ran away and we're not so, going to check on the gamorians or so black chrysanthemum who are by themselves so i think going forward i don't think we should critique the uh the all-out because we know that nothing went well there is no great strategy in this war there's no Making sense of why this is the way it is. The only thing I can say is to have a story, to have the fighting, you know? To show that 
And that might be the plan. He doesn't simple. know about war. Yeah, and like ultimately, my, my big thing is they're worried to death about the pikes being so much, and they need forces to help fight the pikes. It seems like there's not that many pikes actually on planet fighting during this whole encounter, really. Not nearly as many as they were leading to believe at first. Because they don't take them seriously. Oh, okay, hold on. There's like... Uh, there's a lot of lackeys that get shot up, though. Yeah. A lot of them. What are y'all talking about? I, I really disagree with Bul- them. Bulba's like, crew... There's not that many... Bulba's crew does a good job of fighting. I mean, they... the. The Mighty Morphin Power Kids take out a couple. Fennec Shan comes in and, like, single-handedly kills, like, what, three or four people just boom, boom. I mean, just in that's, the short two but seconds. But they aren't the there. Pikes. They're just the local Those people that they hired yeah. that they said oh, they weren't going to be in here. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of them are the locals that they're fighting more than the Pikes, really. And it's, like, just less Pikes than I thought there was going to be. Well, but this is where we kind of see the Pikes move in, right? I mean, we've already seen the citizens turn, and now this is where the Pikes are really coming in to kind of back up the residents of Mos Espa, who chose to fight against Bulba. And uh, Diedrich brought up a good point to me today. We, uh, we actually watched the episode together right before this. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful time. None of you were invited because we wanted our special time together. Was there popcorn? No. There, there was sushi. There was sushi. Was there a hole in the bottom of the popcorn? <laughs> oh, my God. Dork Wars After Dark. Beep boop. So, Diedrich brought up this great point. The Pikes all have different colored masks on. And it seems like some of them are grunts, some of them are marksmen, some of them are officers. It's Some of them don't even have face masks, you know? So there's mainly the bronze and the silver or the no mask. So it seemed like it's or maybe the maybe it was blue, but like there was two main different hues of helmet, right? You've got your like bronze and then I thought it was silver, but I could go with blue. I'm a little colorblind, not gonna lie. Um, I saw silver. But it seemed like the guys with the silver slash blue face masks or helmets were more like your shooters, your marksmen. They had like the rifles for the most part, and then the the bronze helmeted boys had just like pistols. So it was kind of like a video game. Yeah. <laughs> like waves of enemies coming in and you have to take them on wait one wave at a time. And then, you know, if there's no helmet or no face mask, then they're definitely like a, a an officer. Yeah. So while all this is going on, we get back to the sanctuary where Din Djarin and Boba Fett are together. And there's a really good bonding scene here between these guys. They're talking about, like, Mando culture. And Boba Fett asks Den Djarin, do you really believe in all that stuff? And the Mandalorian's like, yeah, I really do. And he said, you know, if, if you're going to die here, then I'm going to die here with you. Mandal- the, the Mandalorian simply says, this is the way. And I, and I, find, it, I, I find it interesting that he says this after being extricated from the Children of the Watch. Does he still believe in that way? Or is, or is he finding his own way? Is this the way going to become his creed for something else? Well, I think it's interesting that the non-genetic or biological Mandalorian is the one that's holding to the stricter code, whereas you know Boba Fett, his chain code, in the, in the armor at least, 
whether you believe, I guess, whether you believe he's actually like a son of Jango or not, but his chain code goes back several generations of actual Mandalorians, and he's the one that's like, that's kind of like, you know, that's that's guidelines. That's not rules. That's more like guidelines. You know, it's, it's kind of BS at the end of the day. So it's interesting that somebody who has not really got that pedigree, you know, he's basically been brought into the religion slash order or whatever is the one who's holding so strictly to the code. Well, and Boba Fett never claims to be a Mandalorian. He he never, like, in practice. Like, he, he's just a bounty hunter. He got his armor from his dad. I would like... I wish they would have explored his, his connection with Mandalorian being a Mandalorian in this series. Now that I'm talking about it, I, I wish we would have seen that struggle, at least a little bit. Well, he okay, you say he doesn't claim to be Mandalorian, but he definitely claims ownership of the armor at least. Well, that was his dad, it was his dad's armor. armor. But he makes the point that the chain code goes back several generations of Mandalorian. In in season was it season 2 of the Mandalorian? So he's making that argument to to Din that he is Mandalorian in a way. I like Boba Fett's response to Bando's um statement there. And he was like, "Oh, Okay, well, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. As long as you're here, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, do you believe in all that stuff? And he says, yes, I do. And Boba Fett's like, yeah, good. Hell yeah, brother. Well, it seems that it seems that Boba Fett is kind of accepting that way as well. Like, he might not be super into the Mandalorian way of doing things. But he's about honor yeah. now, and a lot of the Mandalorian creeds and the, the code, a lot of it is about honor. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode. The Major Domo negotiating on behalf of Boba Fett. Um, I love this scene. I do, too. He's great. And I, I wish the Major Domo would have read the, the paper before he went out there. Like, I mean, come on, man. It would have took you, what? Two seconds to read. No, it wouldn't have been nearly as fun. Oh no! Oh no! It definitely wasn't. And he goes out and he's like, "I've I've I've come to to negotiate on the behalf of the, I have come to negotiate the surrender of Boba Fett and uh, to whoever is in charge of the Pikes." Blah blah blah. And he said, "Read it to me, Tailhead." I, I love it. I love the the slang for uh, for Twi'lek here, Tailhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist, bro. It do be racist. Specious. Specious. Ah, oh, they're racist. And that's racist that you said that. So, the Major Domo comes out, and he's like, ah, you, you guys are so great. I would love to come and see the Great Falls of, of Obadiah, and I, 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 I assure that, I'm sure that is one of the most beautiful sights there ever could be, and you are this and you are that, and I am so graceful, and I studied it in Coruscant and I know what I'm doing you know he didn't say that he told that to Boba Fett and, and the Mandalorian yeah. but he gives that air of like I'm I'm negotiating I'm I'm doing my thing and I'm not I'm rich read the surrender. <laughs> yeah I'm not rich I'm just a messenger and he says that the great Boba Fett offers you uh well he says well I, I, he didn't really want to say and he's like well tell us and he says he offers them nothing <laughs> he wants them to leave the planet with their spice or the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized by the bodies of your dead. His words. That's poetry. That is, Beautiful. man. I didn't know that Boba Fett 
had such a way with words. Like he doesn't speak that much, you know, and there's there's a poetic soul in there. Like maybe in the Max Rebo show that we're not or maybe getting in June, we can have a, an episode with Boba Fett and Max Rebo like collaborating on some stuff. I would love to see that. Make some good music, good lyrics. So this turns into the Mando Boba fight. And I'm going to tell you, this is a good fight. This is the fight that we've been waiting to see Boba in this entire series. Like, we get knee rockets, we get whistling birds, we get jetpacks! They use their jetpacks, finally! That was cool, man. They did phenomenal with that. They did really well, and Boba... But why do they land in the middle of the little square again? Just, like, stay up, stay on rooftops, stay on the high ground. Yeah, they they should have taken a a page out of the book of Kenobi here. And, uh, they did have snipers as well. Um, you know, those jetpacks don't last forever, but yeah, why not get on the high ground? Why just be out in the middle of everything where there's no cover? Like, and again, I know we're talking battle strategy, of course, for the dramaticness of the episode, there has to be some stakes and them being shot at and being overwhelmed was part of that. Because if we don't have them getting overwhelmed, the entrance of the Freetownians, as I'll call them. They are no longer the Moss Pelagogians or whatever you would call them before. They are the Freetownians or the Freetownanites, whoever they are. They come in to save the day with their garrison, their entire garrison of one tank and 20 guys and a woman. Are you, are you sure it was 20? I might, I, that seems high. I might be overestimating. I also forgot to mention I also forgot to mention earlier in this episode Cad Bane says that he pretty much took out Cobb Van and that the Freetownians were not coming. I did forget that little piece of information. Well, Din also says that he thinks that they're going to bring a garrison and when I think garrison I think like somewhere between 50 and 100 like soldiers and they're pulling up in like basically a jeep with your like your frat bros like what up all right oh let's party bro like oh let's, let's do it yeah and I'm, and I'm like, that's... Okay, but there, there's not even 50 people in all of Freetown. <laughs> I guess I was... <laughs> the way Din said it, though, I, I imagine more than one vehicle with, I think, maybe maybe 12 people. My question is, where did they get this this vehicle with with a gun mounted on it, ready to go? And notice that gun sound was the same that an ATST makes, so it's got to be the same caliber of like weaponry, right? Like pretty, pretty heavy, like military pew, pew. industrial yeah, kind of grade. Where, where do people of Freetown get this from? It just magically fell out of the sky one day. That, that don't surprise me. I mean, I live like I work in the middle of nowhere, and these guys out here they they have all kinds of stuff stashed away. <laughs> That's I right. I mean, yeah, That's but right. it's, just, it's just so odd. Where, where, City folk don't know what we got out here. Right. <laughs> Is there a secret garage in the middle of Freetown where everybody just parks all their you know redneck uh, speeders with guns on the back? Well, there's other people in like little smaller moisture farms that probably have. You know, even more like stuff hidden away. I mean, you know? That's how they do it in my hometown. I mean, because I... it's not yeah, just the town; yeehaw! it's like the, the neighboring territories. You know, it's just it's just very odd and not explained. It is. It's just like it they is. just show up with just this, like everything with, else with this gun show. ready. I'm just like, I I will say I was a little disappointed by the fact that at no point did any other Tuscan Raiders 
come. I was even from the yeah. beginning of the series, I was like, at some point, his relationship with Tuscan Raiders is going to come in handy. And you know how Din Din went to the Freetown folk, but he also has relations with the Tuscan Raider tribe that's really close to them. Like, why did he not go to them and be like, "Hey, like, could y'all come and help well, out?" Well, they are in- my buddy Boba Fett. Go ahead. They are they are a nomadic people. They may not be in that region anymore. They may Fair. be dead. They they could yeah. be dead. Fair. Who knows? <laughs> what about the Jawas, dude? Why didn't the Jawas come in? They wouldn't yeah, care. Jaw- they would not Jawas are yeah at all. They're not. They're not fighters, no, man. man. Jawas are lovers. We found that out last episode. Pelly Mot- Yeah, Jawas are lovers, not fighters. And they're furry. They were fighting the Mandalorian. When it was like a hundred to one, you know, yeah. like they don't fight fair odds. You know, they're not going to go into a battle willingly. If they can jump a guy, they'll jump a guy and steal his armor. But they're not <laughs> going to like go into a fight with blasters and cannons and you know. Hey, that guy did not remember what happened. As far as he knew, the job was for a peaceful people. No joke. So Chrysanthemum comes around the corner. We have the Mighty Morphin Power Kids make it back to the Freetownians and the Sanctuary and Mando and Boba Fett. They're all still right outside the sanctuary behind this tank thing, pinned down, and then we see Black Chrysanthemum just come up, like, slinging pikes and Trandoshans. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's just coming around the corner, killing people, and then he gets shot and injured. Sad times. He's... I thought thought it was the end for Black Chrysanthemum right here. Like, I thought they were going to gun him down in the street. I thought he was already done he, before this, so I was glad to see he him. Gets, he's got a lot of like hit points because he gets hit a lot in this episode and somehow ends just okay. Well, know? we know he's modified, so may- maybe, maybe. Yeah, whatever. He's got like that uh, Wolverine adamantium like, yeah. skeleton kind of thing going <laughs> on. That's right. I like it. Dork Wars does occasionally uh, branch out in the future, maybe. Yeah, we're going to try to. There's all this Star Wars stuff. We are mainly a Star Wars podcast, and all the Star Wars stuff keeps popping up, which is great. It's great. But we're definitely, we're definitely branching out. So Chrysanthemum is injured. He, he gets behind the tank, I think, with the help of the Mighty Morphin Power Kids, if I'm not mistaken. Do they go out and help him at no. this point? No, he no, just limps uh, back there by Bo- himself. Bo- Boba went and got him, didn't he? He said, cover me, and Mando had to cover That's him. That's right. That's right. So this is the part where Boba comes and helps Chrysanthemum showing his honor once again, bringing him to a place of safety. And this is when these humongous freaking droids come out. We see the armor, or excuse me, we see the army scatter. They're, they're running away. The Boba Fett, um, the Mando, the people of Freetown, the Mighty Morphin, everybody thinks that they've won. Like, they're like, why are they running away? Like, ha, huzzah, we have won the day. And then we hear, I mean, we just hear the big footsteps of a large droid. I'm sure Din Djarin Djarin was having flashbacks to his young childhood. Well, I'm telling you what, them, them super battle droids had nothing on these things. What are they called? I can't remember what were they called. Droidicus. They're, they're not. Well, they're not droidicus. They're not droidicus but, but what were they called? But they're basically giant droidicus. Yeah, but they were. Me- I call them mega droidicus. I call them mecha decas. Mecha, yeah. mecha decas. Okay, so the mecha deca droidicus. These droids are reminiscent of the Clone Wars era droids, right? 
They are big, bad, they are mean, and they have shields. It makes me wonder if, like, how in the world does a crime organization have such heavy weaponry? But as I've thought about it, I'm like, okay, the empire's over, so maybe all the, uh, I guess, embargoes on droid technology have kind of been lifted. You know, maybe maybe droid like battle droids might have a resurgence in the next few years. They here. got it on the cheap, man. They got it on the cheap. They probably took over the Trade Federation's operations after uh, Newt Gunray's departure from the company, shall we say. Departure oh. from life. It makes you think, if they had these, like, giant droids, they could definitely handle an ATST. For sure. Just, where are these things? It's just crazy that, where like, they hiding out? like, the Rebel Alliance. The Rebel Alliance was an, a military organization trying to fight the Empire, and they didn't have... Like speeders weren't that, that cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have the technology that these this like criminal organization selling drugs had. That's true, but like they don't have the, the money that the but pikes the, have. But the pikes are yeah. old, man. The pikes have been around forever. The Rebel Alliance was fledgling, and then barely grew. I mean, the Pike Syndicate runs deep and across the galaxy. I mean, their their resources are almost unlimited. No, they sent that's why I argue why it's so jarring that it's a small force because they are so vast. They are have deep roots. Why didn't they send more people if this planet was really something they really wanted? Well, why didn't they just send a couple of those? Well, why didn't they just bring a couple of those big old droids out there to begin with? Take them out. I mean, when you go to war, when, when you go to war, do you use your best? You know, your first option being, hey, let's go drop a nuclear weapon on them right away. Well, you don't go to what's best. You go with. Something else to see if that works. You try to do the bare minimum to win. And saying it out loud, they probably want to keep Mos Espa intact as well because they're running spice through there. They want people to buy their stuff, so they have to keep the town intact as well. So I I think maybe they're not quite as concerned about it, but I think on the whole, they still want the town to be intact. They tried to be diplomatic first. It failed. They sent in the droids. That is correct. So we find out that the Darksaber does not work on the shields at first. Um, Den gets his Darksaber out for the first time in this episode. He's pounding away. Boba's shooting at it. I mean, nothing's happening. We see Black Chrysanthemum get in there with his knuckle dusters, and he he actually about makes it through. It looks like he's making some progress, and then it's just too powerful, knocks him back. I wish they would have, like, referred back to the Clone Wars episode where uh, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and... Anakin are training an insurgent force to fight the droids. Do y'all remember this on Onderon? It's with Saul Guerrero and his sister, right? And it's like you have to throw the grenade just right. Like just just enough to get in the shield and not be too fast. I wish they would have like referenced that somehow and and done a callback because, you know, Filoni does that all the time. And I was I was waiting for it and it really never never happened. happened. That's right. And I maybe that was just it was the nature of this episode. This episode was rushed to me. It was an hour long, but it was rushed. To me. It, it should have it been really, two episodes. It, it did not. It didn't feel like a Filoni or Favreau thing. I don't know. Just it did. It didn't feel like it was them to me. Anyways, we get Peli Moto. She's coming in on the rickshaw that Padme and Anakin rode in in Attack of the Clones. Who knows? It might not be the same exact same one. But it looks very similar. You know, you got the droid pulling the care, the little, uh, little wagon thing, little rickshaw thing. It was, it was pretty cool to see. Good callback to the uh, the prequels, and that's one thing that the sequels did not do very well. Other than some of the Jedi lore was like call back to the prequels, and that's something that I do appreciate. Like this 
this series especially for doing is calling back to the prequel. There are there are a few prequel references in the sequels, but they definitely tried to be referenced by the OT for sure. Correct. They they don't necessarily hold the prequel references in esteem to the OT. And which who who really would, in all honesty, but it just they make it seem like the prequels are second class, like they, they but that's something I appreciate about the series is it does bring in those prequel references and heavy too. Very heavy. So in comes Pelimoto, the Freetown folk, the uh the Mighty Morphin Power Kids, they're still pinned down. Uh there's this fight going They're actually at this point they're running. Uh Boba Fett oh, has just right. gone. He's left. He's left to go get reinforcements, and Din is supposed to try to distract the Mecha Decas. That's right. So he's he's distracting the Mecha Decas. He's flying all around on his jetpack, trying to trying to draw fire. The, everyone else is kind of scattering, just trying to get into a place where they can fight these things, trying to figure out what's going to work. We've already found out the dark saber doesn't work, blaster fire doesn't work, electric knuckle dusters don't work, and then here Mando sees the rickshaw coming down. He jump, jumps on the back of it with Pelimoto. He's telling her like, "Get away, get away, get away!" She goes away. He gets on the back. He's shooting, and all this crazy stuff's happening. And then Baby Yoda Grogu reveals himself. Mando gets so sidetracked at this point, he forgets that there's any Mechadeca, Megadroidica droids out there shooting at him, and he's like, oh my god, it's it's you, it's it's Baby Yoda Grogu, my kid, my kid is here. And he's like, oh my god, you, you got the shirt, not the chain mail, not the armor that's going to protect you, you got the shirt. Like, daddy went away on a business trip across the galaxy, brought you back a, a Disney World t-shirt, and here it is. It was touching. It was, and then he gives him the little ball from the last ship, from the Razor Crest. He kept that little ball in remembrance of Grogu. Honestly, anything with Grogu and Din kind of helped save the episode a bit, which is sad. It is, because it's it's the Book of Boba Fett, and it seems like two different shows, and it is, it's two different shows meshing together, but it just seems like two different plot lines. Like that, like, that plot line should not have been happening in the middle of the war. Like... Yeah, it, it just kind of, it just fell out of place to me. I, I felt like it would have been better had we seen this at the beginning of season three of Mandalorian rather than right now. And and I think it kind of takes away from from some of the sincerity because the sincerity is there, the emotion is there, and they played it very well. But the surrounding environment, the the context that it's in, takes away from the moment for me. Yeah, again, I think it's I just add back to what I've been saying for a while. It you have to look at Book of Boba Fett as almost a part of the Mandalorian series. Right. It really is just, it is a, a specific chapter, a book, if you will, <laughs> of the Mandalorian, you know. So Grogu blows up the rickshaw droid. He uses that little technique that he uses on, uh, on Luke's Jedi planet. We discussed it last week. Let's not get into it again, whatever planet they may be. The, he uses it on the uh, the training droid that shoots little blaster bolts that he doesn't like, and he uses it on this droid, just crunches him up. Who knows why? I don't. He wants... He knows that he could help in this situation. He doesn't want to run anymore. I like it. Gro- Grogu wants to fight. He wants in. Uh, too bad he doesn't have Yoda's lightsaber. But uh, he crushes the rickshaw droid, and the whole thing just upends and throws them. Pelimoto is thrown to, to the hard ground. Who cares about her? Din saving little baby Yoda Grogu. 
and dad, daddy's home. Daddy takes him up in his arms and just, oh my gosh, it, he, he saves his kid. I like it when Pelly face planted, like she spits, like one of her, one of her teeth come out. Yeah. And that, yeah, that just builds her character, like this grungy, dirty character who's involved with Jawas and, and all these things. I, I love her character. You know it's what? So For, funny. Forget Andor season one or two. Let's get Pelly Moto season one and two. Come on. Like, that's what I want to see. Hold on. I want to agree after we're done with Kenobi to never return to Tatooine again. I just, I'm done with it. Can we please move on? Please. For the love Teacher of God. Kate's the sand. It makes me oh, sad that it's rough and it's coarse and it gets everywhere. Like, I don't mind. I know we're going to get it in Kenobi and I'm fine. I will accept it in Kenobi. Because of Kenobi. But after Kenobi, can we just move on? I want the Hut series, though. And that doesn't have to take, that, that doesn't have now, to take Huda. place on Tatooine, though. It doesn't have to. I'm Nar Shadda, now Hutta, anywhere else. I'm not done with Tatooine until they make a comb the desert reference. <laughs> I want a pod racing show. They pod race. They, have pod they racing on they other pod planets. race on other planets. Did you never play Pod Racer? No. <gasps> Did you not watch wow. the Phantom Menace? Come it's, over, Wesley. It's gonna be called. It's gonna be called Star Wars Pod Racing, but it's always gonna be about nothing other than like other things than pod racing. <laughs> they're be like, "That's this is pod racing, right?" And like, no, at the end of each episode, now this and then they're is gonna pod go racing. to a, a different a different vehicle each episode, and they're gonna fly it real fast. And he's gonna be like, "This is pod or you'll racing," see, or you'll see those other sports <laughs> like in uh, Attack of the Clones, we're in the bar. And uh, Anakin's going through and trying to find the bounty hunter. Like the football? Yeah. And then Obi-Wan's like at the bar trying to convince people to live better lives or whatever the heck he was doing. Why was he doing that? Yeah, he was just nonchalant about the whole thing. You got those other sports playing in the background. That's what uh, the pod racing series is. My headcanon is death sticks are basically just cigarettes filled with yeah. spice. Yeah. I like it. Good headcanon. So here comes the Rancor. Uh, Boba Fett goes off to get a secret weapon and we all could have guessed what it was and here's the payoff as Boba Fett does here comes the Rancor the Rancor still has no name for some reason because I thought we were going to get a name for him Boba Fett was was talking about naming him and he never named him he has time to go get a Rancor but doesn't get his spaceship I mean I'm not I'm not saying it's smart because the Rancor is going to cause less damage than the spaceship will that Rancor does cause damage. Um, he causes damage to the shield. He is able to put enough pressure on that shield. We can see that all the blueness of the shield is in front of the shield, and then behind the shield is red, I guess, indicating weakness. Isn't it? It's damaged because of Kersantan, right? Doesn't like When he goes and he, try, he almost reaches through, it damages the back of one of well, them. Well, I don't know if that really... <sighs> Does that count? Because the shield should take whatever that damage the is. Turns red in the back. But it should take all that damage and disperse it throughout the whole shield. I'm not saying I understand the science. I'm saying what happens in the episode. Right. I, I don't think that was a factor. I think it was showing that he almost got through. When the Rancor is bearing down on that shield, you can see all the shield power go to the front of that, and then Din is able to cut in the back of it because all that shield power is being broken by the Rancor. The Rancor is taking all that shield power because the normal shield can't take it. All the shield power has to go there. I'll have there. to go back and rewatch it, but what I'm saying is I think that I think the back of that particular mecha deca gets turned red because of Chrysanthemum, but I'll I'll see to whatever's 
the popular logic at the moment. I'll have to go back and watch Yeah, we'll it. have to go back and look at it. But I think it turns back to blue after it pops Chrysanthemum off of it. I'm not, I'm not sure. But we'll, we'll go back and, and check it out. So the Rancor is able to do uh, shield damage. Din is able to cut into the back of this one particular Mecha Decca, slices into it, and he starts battling it. He, he gets some good cuts on it. Uh, Bulb and the Rancor go off to, to disable other shields while Mando's left with this uh, big old droid. And the droid gets Mando down on his back. I mean, he's about to crush him. And the little baby Yoda Grogu uses the Force. He does such a great job. He, he plucks that joint right out of the droid's leg, causing him to stumble, and he does this crazy thing. He can't get his grounding, and they're able to cut him up. They're able to, to splice him up a little bit and end up, end up beating that one droid while uh, Boba Fett goes off to destroy all the other ones. That, that's one thing is... You know, that, that was cool. Like, we get to see, uh, you know, Grogu and see his development and how strong, an another example of how powerful he is with the Force. But, again, this is the book of Boba Fett. This is supposed to be about Boba Fett saving the day, not the Mandalorian universe. But, um, I don't know. I'm also, I'm also a little tired of Grogu being able to always kind of come in and save the day with the Force. Yeah. It's, it's happened one too many times at this point. It's almost expected of Grogu's in the vicinity that, oh, the main characters aren't in any danger because Grogu's going to come up and just do his little, yeah. ah, little cute baby hand thing and whatever the problem is going to go thought away. It was a, I well, thought that was a cool thing with Grogu going to Luke's Academy that we would get some space between Mando and Grogu. I thought that would be a good direction for Mandalorian Season 3. Obviously, that's not happening. Obviously, that's not what we're going to get. But Grogu does present a little bit too much plot armor. Like, at the beginning of the series of The Mandalorian, he's just a bait, like, he's kind of helpless. We don't know what he's about. And then we find out, oh, he can use the Force, and we're learning all this stuff about him. And now it's just at a point where we can expect him to do anything in the force like he does the force healing thing at the end of uh mandalorian season one we don't expect that i i think you're right Diedrich. I, I agree with you here it's a problem because now it's it's almost like his abilities are unlimited and the writers can use him in whatever way they need it's almost like he's op i don't you know? think that was it, the scenes put there where he does that for you know him to be like that i think it's pointing out that showing his growth that he had while he was with Luke. Because as Luke said, he's remembering how to use the Force. And I think all throughout The Mandalorian, looking at that, it's just him remembering stuff that he already well, knew how to do, but he's blocked the memories. I agree with you. And I think it's a cool scene, but I think it presents a writing problem going forward. Well, it I don't think he's invincible because we've seen Jedi fall before. I mean, yeah, it just means that the scales are the, the scale of the enemies that they're going to face is only going to go increase. <laughs> It's just like we've got Mandalorian in Beskar armor. He basically can't be killed by shots. He has a Darksaber, so melee, he's probably going to be pretty OP in that too. And now he's got a little, a, a basically like a little buddy who can use the Force on anything coming his way. It's, an, it's a character I'm already not worried about dying, and now I'm even not, I'm like less worried about him dying because of his new well, buddy. Well, and I'm not, I actually he's not his new buddy, I really but, don't have a problem uh, with his actions here. I don't have a problem with him. I mean, he just plucks something off of the droid and it loses. Uh, that's cool. Uh, it's really the stuff later. I have a gripe about how we even got there. 
It's really the stuff later that gets me. So, uh, Andrew, to your gripe, gripe it up, man. I don't understand why the Mandalorian was just getting his ass kicked. Didn't make any sense. A, there was no reason. It was him a to big have, droid, have had man. To have been saved. Doesn't matter. It's the Mandalorian. Just like he said, like why do he was on the ground? Why didn't he use his jetpack to move like six feet away while he was on his back? Well, I mean, like, there's so many different things he could have done, and he didn't do any of them. He just laid there. He looked up. He, there was a scene where he straight up just looked up at the camera and put his hands in front of his face. I mean, maybe he was like that. Didn't make any jetpack sense. was out of juice. He's been using it a lot the last couple minutes. No, I'm sorry, you can't explain it to me. There's no reason for the Mandalorian to be. There shouldn't have been a scene where he put his hands in front of his face. Like that was so stupid. He shouldn't have had to have been saved. So we see the Rancor. We griping. Oh, we griping, griping on Are we still griping? podcast okay, tonight. We still griping. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just messing around. It's been fun. I've enjoyed the gripes. Keep going, man. So I can agree with you to a point on that, Andrew. That the Mandalorian should be tougher than that. I guess. I guess to die with honor. Can you die with honor with your hands in front of your face? Only only time will tell. He didn't, so. It's just the first time we ever see him in that vulnerable. When he wasn't vulnerable a, of a Well, yeah, I mean, of course. One of the, wait, one of the early episodes when Mando was fighting, like, that big rhino creature thing, didn't, didn't uh, Grogu step in he did. there, too? Yeah. He, he pretty much, like, force chokes the, the, uh, the, uh, the little rhinoceros thing. The Ronto. It's a Ronto. Yeah, but I don't recall a scene where the Mandalorian was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the Mandalorian in the scene with the the horn, the Ronto guy, he pulled out his little knife and, yeah, he put out his little knife and was like basically reserved to the fact that he was going to die. Yeah, but he was at least going to try and fight back. That's the whole thing. That's Mandalorian's whole thing. Yeah. He's at least going to fight back. I don't know. Just seemed out of character, um, but we can move I on. can agree with you on that. So we get to see the Rancor tearing up some of the other Mechadecas. Cool stuff. Pelimoto hits it off with the Major Domo. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode as well. It's so silly, but it's great. Uh, I love it. The Major Domo and Pelimoto together. Oh my gosh. I, there's a show right there. A cute couple. And I mean, they hit it off instantly. Uh, they just, she's a strong woman. He's a. I was gonna say you've got you've got a reversal of traditional uh, gender norms with those two because you've got the the male who is kind of upright and proper and prim, and then you've got the female who's kind of grungy. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm looking for uh, Major Domo and Pelly coming to you this fall on uh, Disney Plus. Probably not. Um, doesn't look good for June either. So the Rancor's eating some pikes. That's pretty cool. Wait, wait. Wait, so so did the Rancor eat pikes? Because I was really hoping to see him like eat, you know, eat some people. He does. He does. He's okay. at, he, at, at least, least two. the one. Well, I see the one, maybe two. I guess you've seen two. I know he eats some pikes. The Rancor's eating some stuff. It's great. And this is when we see Cad Bane enter the fray himself. Oh gosh! Any scene with Cad Bane. Just like the the Mando Grogu relationship, it's it's redeeming for this show, for this episode. Cad Bane, he's just so cool. Andrew, what do you think of Cad Bane's appearance at this particular moment? Honestly, it was a really awesome scene. I love uh, I love his whole Western thing that he's got going on, and honestly, I really hope they do like a 
a single show with just him. I'd be down for it. The Book of Cad Bane. His, his casual strut into the scene, it's just it's so intense, man. It can't can't get better than that. Yeah, it is. And and let me let me rephrase it. It wouldn't be the book of Cad Bane. It'd be the ballad of Cad Bane. Let's let's bring it back to like old Western tradition, <laughs> man. The ballad of Cad Bane. I like it. Disney, you don't have to pay me for that. You can take that one for free. I'm just kidding. You got to pay me. Just bring it on. Uh, dude, uh, random idea. I think it'd be cool if they just had like a like a bounty hunters show where it was six episodes and each episode was a different bounty hunter that it just kind of followed along that would be for that neat. one episode. That would be neat. Each line and didn't tell like an overarching story. It was just little small ones. Yeah, kind of like the uh, like uh, Star Wars Visions Star where Wars we had Visions. like glimpses of these different stories. I think it would be. I like it. I think it would be even better if it was an overarching story, but each one of them was contributing to this larger thing by their singular job. Ooh. That'd be but cool too. Marvel has a, a bounty bounty hunters comic book series that I think would be pretty good. Yeah. live action or, or or not live action, but animation. War War of the Bounty Hunters. It's great. Yeah, we're we're basically just writing the stories for Disney at this point. This is great. <laughs> So Cad Bane enters the fray, and he's he's got we got Boba on his rancor, and you would think that with Boba on his rancor, he could just take out Cad Bane like he's just one dude with a couple couple blaster pistols. These big old droidica mechadecas, they they can't even do anything to him. Well, Cad Bane says, "Nah, screw that. I'm bringing out the fire." Okay, and fire must just be a typical bounty hunter weapon. Every one of them's got a flamethrower on their wrist and dude the rancor does not like fire well he doesn't seem to like it right now but one of my gripes will come up later with the fire well, he didn't shoot it in his mouth he just shot it at his body and he throws boba fett off of himself the rancor throws boba fett um it's it's sad for boba he he gets up and they're just in this face off now the, the rancor goes off to do what rancors do and it's Boba Fett, Cad Bane, just, just face to face. And Cad Bane asks him, he's like, look, Boba, I've known you for a long time. What's your angle? And Boba says, this is my city. These are my people. I will not abandon them. And then I think one of the redeeming things about this episode is this particular scene, because we get so much background between Cad Bane and Boba in a few lines. We do. Right? And, and he, even, he even says that I've known you for a long time, Boba. And that's when he tells him, of course, that, you know, asking what his angle is. These are my city. I'm not I'm not going to abandon my people. And then Cad Bane, like, further entices him. He's like, like the Tuscans? Like, that stings, right? And he said, look, don't toy with me. I'm not a kid any longer, and you're an old man. Like, we, we have that. We're, we're establishing that they, of course, know one another. But Cad Bane says that he's still faster. And then Boba Fett says, maybe, yeah. but I have armor. And I think this goes deeper than just, like, the Mando armor. Like, he has people. He has a tribe around him now. He's gathered. He's got more than just himself. Like, goes back to this, no one person can survive without a tribe. Nice. I, I hadn't thought about that, but, yeah, that's good. That's, that's deep. That's deep. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Star Wars are bringing out the deep fills. So Cad Bane, in classic Cad Bane fashion, says, let's find out. And there's the shootout. There's the shootout. Just pow, pow, pow. Boba gets down. 
Uh, there's some fire. He spray Boba Fett now sprays fire at at a Cad Bane. He dodges it. There's another shot, and now Boba Fett's on his back, like he falls down, and Cad Bane goes straight for for the kill. Like he goes right to him, and he's like, "Look, you're a killer. This isn't the first time I beat you out on a job." Which is a good reference to some Clone Wars deleted scenes that we never got that seem to be canon. There's, we can get into this in a minute, but um, there are some deleted scenes in Clone Wars where Boba Fett and Cad Bane are having a shootout. The little dent in uh, Boba Fett's helmet supposedly came from Cad Bane in those scenes. Pretty cool stuff. I find it weird that Cad Bane, who is a ranged fighter, gets this close. Another reason I'm like, ugh. Tactics in the scene are just weird. Well, maybe. I mean, he gets close when he has to. We see him get close with Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars because he has to. Why does he have to now? Boba Fett's on his back on the ground. Well, I mean, what's he going to do? He's going to shoot. He can't shoot through his armor, dude. The dude's got armor. He has to get right up in his face. And I, and I think it's a pride thing. Like, I'm better than you, Boba Fett. I'm the better bounty hunter, and I'm going to take your helmet off. And that's, that's a sign of shame. If you take the guy's helmet off of him, like, that's just saying, look, I can do whatever I want to you. And that's what Cad Bane wants. More than the money, more than anything else, he wants yeah, I mean, to I can, I can get on board with the fact that he's not thinking straight because he, this is like a, a long-standing feud. Right. And, and I don't know what, like, the Western standoff etiquette is, but if someone falls to the ground, like, you don't, like, snipe them from a distance. Like, you, like, you do close, you, you do get up close to them, and then, you know, you put the gun to their head and, and cap them. And you if, know, we know, the, you, if we know nothing else about Cad Bane is he is one Cap'n. Western dude, okay? And so he, he comes up and he says, this isn't the first time I've beat you out on a job. There's no shame in it. And this is when he rips his helmet off. And he says, consider this my final lesson. Look out for yourself. Anything else is weakness. And this is where, this is the opposite of what this show's about. He's saying, don't have a tribe. Having people around you just calls more weaknesses. And then Boba uses the gaffy stick, his symbol of the Tuscan tribe that were murdered. His sense of family, where he found his first tribe. He uses that gaffy stick to trip up Cad Bane. And then he has Cad Bane on his back. He's looking him in the face, and Cad Bane kind of knows this might be it. And he looks into Boba's eyes, and he said, look, I knew you were a killer. And Boba Fett regresses here. We see him fall back into that killer mode, and he stabs Cad Bane in the chest. He did not regret. Savage. That's the that's the Boba Fett I was hoping for all season. Well, it's not a reg- Boba Fett with, <laughs> with the helmet on. There is there is the line that Cad gives, and he's like, "You've got too much of your father in you." Giving the fact that uh, it's canon now that Cad Bane knew Jango. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jango. If I'm not mistaken, Jango had a hand in training Cad Bane. I've heard that from different sources. I don't know the source, so don't don't quiz me on it. I have no idea. If that's I don't know if it's yeah, canon. I don't know about that. But I, I think that's Blake Cannon. It might be Blake Cannon. It might be, but there's definitely... Let's make it come true. He definitely knew Django. He knows that Boba Fett is Django's kid, possibly that he's a clone of Django. Heck, Cad May might even know that all the clones are clones of Django. Yeah, I mean, he knows he knows about Omega, right, from the Bad Batch. Correct. So I'm sure he, know, he knows the significance of her, and so I'm, I'm sure he knows some science behind it all. So here is... 
something I want to bring up. Cad Bane is stabbed in the chest. And there's this little blinky light on his chest that was not blinking before he was stabbed. No, um, it was blinking. And then the thing is, continued it to continues well, yeah. to blink after he's stabbed. Right. And so it, it it's his life support. Right. Right, so so here's the thing about Cad Bane, right? Does he need his lungs to live since he's breathing through those tubes? And so he was punctured in the chest cavity, which makes me think as like the lungs were punctured, but maybe for him lungs are either excessive or maybe they've been removed entirely. Right. I mean he's he's got those tubes for some reason. They're not just there to make him look cool. Not all Duros have tubes. And he's that's his it's his backup life system. I, I I think that he's his life support systems has kept him alive. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Cad Bane. This is just a hunch. I'm not saying it's true. His his joy Toto's gonna, gonna come get him and put him in the, the Lazarus pit of you know, the Bakta tank. Right. I think I think that would have been a better end credit scene, but we'll get there. But yeah. I, I like to hone in on this. Like, Boba uses the gaffy stick here. This is his symbol of unity, his symbol of the tribe. This is what he uses to take down the enemy that has nothing but himself, just the money, the bounty, the glory. That's it. He uses his symbol of his tribe. And, and I like this for the story. This symbolizes what this entire series has supposed to have been about. I feel like we've lost our way here and there, but overall, it's the honor. It's it's the everyone needs a tribe trope coming back again. And I, I really enjoyed the way that Boba overcame Cad Bane. I was, just, I was disappointed that Cad Bane died, but it was such a cool scene. Cool he may have died. Way to go. So this isn't a gripe. It's just an interesting thing that I wonder if you guys noticed, but I don't remember the Gaffy staff appearing in any other scene before we get here, right? <laughs> and then second, second thing, in earlier, in earlier scenes, he uses his missile against the Mechadecas, yet in this scene, his missile is back. So it makes me think that they shot this scene far before they maybe even had ideas for what was going to happen in the, the earlier part of the so episode. I. I will say I do remember the gaffy stick in earlier episodes when he's walking through the town. I think I remember that gaffy stick on his back. Not earlier episodes, but in earlier this episode. in this I episode, don't, though. Well, I have to go back and watch it again, but maybe it's just he's not using it. There's not a lot of attention drawn to it, so you don't see it, and may, he might he might not have it. I don't I don't know. I, I think I think he may, but I, I could be wrong. He he hit down on the D pad and pulled it out of the <laughs> yeah his inventory pouch, yeah. <laughs> and then his missile. I guess he reloads his missile when he goes back to the to get uh, the rancor. It, 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 he might have other missiles back at the at the uh, the hut palace. Did I give, he get I give that. Stick there. He might have his gaffy stick there. Yeah, per- so perhaps he got. This it there is what too, I'm imagining. Yeah. I'm imagining Boba Fett getting back to his palace in a hurry, and Danny Trejo is down there with the Rancor. He's like, hey, man, I need the Rancor. Can you get it saddled up for me? Get the chains on it and all. He's like, oh, crap, I need a new missile. He goes to his room. He's pulling stuff out of his trunk. He's like, I knew I had that missile somewhere in here. I remember it being right here. Did Finnick Shan come in here and move it? Like, I just pulling everything out of his room, and now he's found his missile. He gets it in there. He gets on the Rancor, and now he's headed back to Mos Espa, like a whole big scene. Well, then he also sees his gaffy staff in the corner. He's like, you know what? That that, that might come in handy. Let me just go ahead and put that so on the So we need that deleted scene. Keep we on need moving. that deleted scene. Obviously, 
when he picked up the gaffy stick, he was thinking of uh, Vin Diesel saying, all I need is family. 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 The power. So okay. do, you, do, you think that, uh, do you think that Boba Fett's seen the Fast and the Furious? Or? I think he's going to be in the next Fast and Furious. Watch it. So now we get Mando versus Rancor. This this was something, man. The Rancor's on the loose. He's destroying all the buildings that we didn't want destroyed. Like the we we didn't want the town to be hurt, and now the Rancor is destroying the town. Why, what what gets me about this moment is like it's it's um it's Boba Fett's team that's like shooting at the Rancor now, right? I think it's so unnecessary. I, I didn't like that the Rancor went off on its own. It's like it's now now we have this whole other problem that has nothing to do with the Pikes, that has nothing to do with the Mecha Deca droid, because like it's it's this whole new problem. I don't know. I think it was too much. I can just admit. I can just imagine Danny Trejo running at these people like, no, leave him alone, you know, just really upset. My boy! Yeah, it's like, it turns into a Godzilla movie for a little bit, and it's weird. To me, it's not not very Star Wars to me. Yeah, I I don't know. These these next couple, gosh, ten minutes or so is just, it's just them fighting this Rancor. I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Flats in here. And then another another problem of mine is that in this little fight between Din and the Rancor, Din uses his flamethrower. He shoots it right in the mouth, but it doesn't scare him at all. It just Well, maybe that Rancor at this point, he's like, you know what? I don't care about fire or nothing. I'm fighting whatever. And maybe he just likes spicy food. And and, and to your comment about it, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Well, I, I disagree. I, I think it does because Star Wars likes to emphasize on the creatures and and a lot throughout the movies and shows and books. So I think this was like a, a little, you know, five minute aside of, OK, we're going to focus on the Rancor creature for a little bit and see what it's capable of. They were never able to do this before with a Rancor. Like, of course, in the OT, like they didn't have the technology to do this. I was going to say, like. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's my problem that I need to get over is the fact that they could never have done this in the OT. So I'm like, this is weird to me. They could have never done the CGI to the point of having the monster move around like a Godzilla, you know, in a town. So maybe it's my bias. I'll give you that. But it just didn't... It felt more like a Michael Bay Transformers fight scene between it and the droids and... Then it turned into like a Godzilla kind of movie for a little bit, and just all of those things kind of compound to make me think, ah, oh, it's not really what I wanted from the finale. So the Rancor bites the helmet of uh, of Mando, and he's just chomping down on this thing. Man, Beskar is the real deal because there's no scratches on this helmet. There's no scuff marks, like no nothing. Like it, it looks pristine coming right out of the Rancor mouth. I wonder if he has Beskar shine that he, you know, uses whenever he's uh, finished fighting. Maybe, but I mean... Because, I mean... Didn't, didn't even dent it, like, at all. I just I just feel like... I know that Beskar is, like, the strongest stuff out there, but I would at least hope that... I don't know, it could be damaged at some point a little bit, right? Boba Fett says it's dented. But his isn't pure Beskar, I don't think. Um... The Mando's is so, pure Beskar. I, okay. Right. Mando's armor is pure Beskar, but um, Boba Fett's also has... It, it is Beskar armor. It's just not as pure as Din's is. 
the Rancor gets Mando down again. This is the, the next time that the Mandalorian is in dire straits. After he gets the fire to the mouth, uh, it, it doesn't look good for Din Djarin, and baby Yoda Grogu comes out and waves his hand and calms the beast. Like we see him through the Force interact and put this thing to sleep. At this point, I think Grogu should be teaching Luke about the Force. Like, I have, I know that Luke Skywalker came in and did all that cool stuff at the end of Season 2 of Mandalorian, but he didn't put a Rancor to sleep with his, his, with his mind. That's, that's awesome. Grogu is the older. And, and the more formally trained. True. It was a good visual scene, like a, a small uh, species like Grogu being able to tame such a large beast. So it, I don't know. It, it was a good depiction of the Force, I think. Yeah, and then we get this really wholesome scene where Grogu comes and pets the baby. The well, not the baby Rancor. The baby Grogu comes and pets the Rancor, and then he curls up next to him and starts napping. This is this is so sweet. Like this evil monster that just destroyed all these buildings and all this stuff and now he's curled up next to him just all lovey-dovey, you know. So one of the funny things about this episode, Pelly comes up now and says, "Guess there's no barbecue." Like I said earlier, I think the people of Tatooine are used to like eating what they kill. And I guess she's like, "Well, we can't eat Boba Fett's rancor." So <laughs> That's kind of sad. They don't get to eat the Rancor, so no barbecue party. But let's talk about the Pikes. The head Pike is talking about leaving the planet. Okay, he's leaving the deal. The head Trandoshan guy, the mayor, like, they're all going to just be left there, and they're leaving. And the mayor and the Trandoshan say, oh, we're just trying to be hospitable. And he says, half of my force was just eaten by a Rancor, and you call that hospitable? Like... <laughs> There's nothing hospitable yeah. about what's going on here. And this is one of my gripes. How close is Mos Espa and Mos Eisley? Uh, we, we've seen that they're supposed to be pretty far apart, but Finnick seemingly makes it there in an hour's time, right? Like, how does she get there so quick? She was driving one of the, one of the real speeders, not, not one of those fake speeders. Okay, okay, she had a real speeder. I still don't see how you can make it there I mean, so fast. It may have been a little bit longer than that because, I mean, how did this guy get the information that, you know, his forces had been de defeated? So it's probably some time. There's probably a, a small time skip, not like days or anything like that, but, you know, a couple maybe, hours. Maybe. I, I could see that. I, I just still think it's it's funny. Um, but she goes in there and murders all of them, kills the Trandoshan. She hangs the mayor up by his head, neck thing. Whatever that thing is. Whatever an Athorian yeah, whatever is. whatever parts of an Athorian. I, I've never taken Athorian biology before. They didn't offer that in high school. Um, the scene made me think of Fortnite, like when you hear footsteps above you. You look it around like, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where are they at? But she kills everyone and leaves <laughs> and leaves the, uh, the head uh, pike guy who also does not have a name, of course. Who does? And leaves him for last and shoots him, kills him. That's it. Seems like the pike thread is over. This scene just—it feels unsatisfying. Completely, it's too late. Like 
they should have sent Fennec Shand before all this even started to go assassinate these people. I don't even want Fennec Shand to do it. I want Boba Fett to go and confront this man. Hold on. And he does it. It's like he sends someone else to get his closure for him. And it's just, why? So, reminder, when this episode started, like, they were still under the assumption that all the crime lords were allies. So, it wasn't until the betrayal. Like, okay, Fennec, go over there and handle that now. That's when she went. But they knew... No, Wesley, they knew they were at war with the Pikes, though. It didn't matter about the other little gangs. They knew they were at war with the Pikes initially, for sure. I mean, they've known the Pikes were a problem for a long time. They, they've they had the they've had the Major Domo in their custody for a long time. They should have asked him, they, like... They weren't at... It, when they first... They weren't at bloodshed war, though. Like, it was like a Cold War. Because the, no, the Pikes because the... Yeah, the Pikes had blown it up. Why didn't they... Why didn't they just go and kill the head guy right then and there after he blew up? Uh, the uh, sanctuary. It's just it, it doesn't feel satisfying to me at all. What do you mean? Wait, well, I like, could I could the end the ending doesn't feel satisfying. I could agree to with me. Grant though because I would like to see Boba Fett stare this Pike man in the face and say, "Look, like you he killed my tribe. You killed the Tuscan Raiders that I loved and cared about. It's your turn to die." If Finnick, if Finnick had made it before they needed to bring out the Rancor, like, and then the droids, like, deactivated, kind of like a homage to episode one, that would have been different. But, like, her, she got there after the battle was already won, and, like, it, and what does pikes, it really matter if she the kills The Pikes these? were leaving anyway. No, she, she, exactly. she killed all the leaders of the Trandoshan tribe, the, the Trandoshan city, and all the other, all the crime lords. So the, right, it's, cl- sure, it's closure. But I think it's they, closure to the whole story. It's closure, but it's not satisfying. I agree with Grant though. It should have been Boba. It should have been, been Boba. Boba. I agree. It feels unsatisfying that that he sent uh, Finnick there to do it. It's just like she could have captured them all. I mean, she's capable of that. She killed them all. I I agree. And just, like you know, have them stand trial. Instead, she just kills them. I I agree with that. And like to one one of my earlier points is like. Any leadership thing that needs to be done is not done by Boba, whether it's verbal or action. If someone else does it, I just realized they could have had uh, a you know a trial for them all, and we could have gotten a new another Rancor pit scene. Except the Rancor would have won this time, and instead we just get. I mean, it's just unsatisfying. I would have liked to seen a little bit of nuance in the closure between Boba and the Pikes because there is beef there. And I don't feel like Boba ne- ever got to fully get the closure of him uh, losing the Tuscans, like killing Cad Bane. Cad Bane didn't kill the Tuscans. We've established that. It doesn't seem like he killed the Tuscans. It was the Pikes. So there's no closure between Boba and the Pikes. They're just dead now. So there was a lot about this episode that also reminded me of the last season of Game of Thrones, where there was a lot of setup and the payoffs were not satisfactory. And the movement around locations on the planet seemed to be way too fast. There's a lot of things that just were illogical when they hadn't really been that illogical up to this point. Yeah, I actually talked to a a colleague at work today about this, and uh, he he compared the entire show of Book of Boba Fett to the final season of Game of Thrones. I'm like, now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, it it really does feel very last season of Game of Thrones. So Grant, I mean, we're looking to cut costs. We pay some of you too much, which is nothing. Is he looking for a job? No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> nah, we're, we're not looking to... Nah. Tell him to listen to podcasts, though. So after this scene, we have Boba and Finnick walking the streets of Mos Espa. And he is now 
the daimyo. That he he's accepted by everyone. Everyone's bowing to him, and they're doing the right arm thing over the chest. He's like, "Why is it always got to be the right arm?" Little joke, haha. His right arm's hurting. Um, we we they give him fruit. They're accepting him as their leader, and I like this scene. It, it's it's a good wrap up. I know we didn't get the closure we wanted, but it's a good wrap up scene. He's he's being accepted. And the gang's all together. We we get a scene where Finnick and Bulba are there. The Mighty Morphin Power Kids come up. Black Chrysanthemum's there. It's like everybody's happy now. And it's good times of Mos Espa. Except for the Gamorians. Except for the Gamorians. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody even cares about them. They don't even <laughs> ask. They don't go look. We don't see headstones. Nah, nothing. there's no headstones because <laughs> Bulba, they go look for the Gamorians. They find them at the bottom of that ravine, and they're going to end up on that really big table full of food next week. <laughs> that was the barbecue they were looking for. The old pork butt. That was so sad. They were the, like the first ones to be loyal, you know, pledge allegiance to Boba. The funny thing is, my favorite scene in this entire episode is actually the next one. So the next scene, we have next? Baby Yoda Grogu in his little pod on the N1 Starfighter custom. It's a custom. And Din Djarin's sitting there in the pilot seat, and you got little baby Yoda tapping with the, with the little ball from the Razor Crest on the glass. And Din's like, no, we're not going to do it again. No. We're not doing this. No. And then he's just he's persistent. And he's like, fine. And then out of just hyperspace. Nope. It's not hyperspace. It's, not, it's sublight. It's, it's his sublight, sublight thrusters. thrusters. They're very nice sublight thrusters. They go extremely fast. And it's great. I absolutely love this scene. I just laugh at this scene. It, it made me laugh and smile when I didn't exactly like the rest of the episode. And just, it's because it reminds me of, you know, just a little kid at Disney World. Just like, can I write it again, Dad? Can I write it again, Dad? Do it again. Do it again. And it's just like, I, I can see this being a ride at Disney World. Yeah. Like, and anything I, with Grogu and Din, I automatically am like, God, I, I, I just feel that in my soul with yeah. my son. Like... He's it's, right at that age, you know. Blake probably feels it's, the same it's way. A, it's it's a dad thing, man. And I, I'm yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Diedrich. Like me and my kids, like that's how I feel with my kids. They're like when I throw them up in the air and they're laughing and giggling. Like, do it again, dad. You know, again, again, and you do it again, and they just keep laughing. It's it's the warmest feeling in your heart. It really it just warms the soul, and that's that's the feeling I get when I watch uh, Mando and and little baby Grogu interact. It's beautiful. Well, I, t- I feel that way about Wesley. <laughs> All right, well, that's been a great episode of Dork Wars. But anyway, uh, so then credits roll, right? And we get a mid credit scene, and we see a back-to-tank that uh, Boba has previously referenced in this last scene. Uh, they say, hey, Boba, you should take a rest in the, in the uh, back-to-tank for your arm. He's like, well, it's being used right now. We find out it's being used by none other than Cobb Vanth, and we see the modifier, a.k.a. Thundercat, just juicing up, ready to do some modifying. I need a cool bass solo here, but... I'm not going to... We're, we're going to get Cobb Vader. So, I'm not going to lie to you guys. When that scene first played, I did not recognize Cobb Vanth. He looked a lot different in the back to take. Like, he... I, 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 yeah. I almost, like... I, it took me a few minutes, like, oh, that's Cobb Vanth. Like, he looked a lot younger and sleeker. 
I had to go back and rewatch it to figure out who it was because honestly, at the beginning, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Johnny Depp's impression or rendition of Grindelwald from uh, Fantastic Beasts is what it looked like a lot to me. I was just like, what? So for me, I can understand why you guys feel that way, but I saw the gray hair. I saw the little tiny beard. I immediately knew who it was just because no one else in the book of Boba Fett looks that way. And I don't think that they would yeah. just introduce a random character. Well, I'm not... So I assumed, nah. even though it doesn't look like him, I immediately was just like, oh, I guess that's Cobb. Yeah, I, I'm not saying so, I didn't know it was... Well, I didn't know it instantly. Like, I watched him, like, for a second, I was like, who is that guy? And I mean, by the end of the scene, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Cobb Van. But it's just like, you, upon first seeing him, it's a, it's a little different. He don't look quite the same. Well, I just, I wasn't sure. Is there some kind of comic book or is there some kind of, like, Rebels reference or something that I'm not understanding here? That, that's uh, the question. Like, why is he in the tank? Hmm. That that goes back. He got back. shot. He got shot in the shoulder. About? Why was the guy it, it, raising up? Like he's about to. He's about to cybertech him somehow. But like, is there something yeah, in he's canon? Probably not. No, not he's in probably canon. Barely it, living. It's in Legends is when he had something like that happen to him. So there is something. That's what I mean. Like there is something yeah, in yeah. the Star Wars past. Okay. So they're hinting at yeah. that being canon. Then I, I'm thinking something bigger. I'm thinking. Um, like, why even show this, right? Why is it relevant? And I think he's going to be in a show. The book of Cobb Vance. I think, I think he might... My theory is, I think... And, and we had a little hint sprinkles of this throughout the episode, is I think he's going to be in Andor. I think we're going to get flashbacks of Cad Bane and how he knows that, uh, that he had Boba Fett's armor. Mm. That yeah, doesn't add up because... What do you mean it add up? It all adds up. It completely adds up. Boba Fett doesn't lose his armor until after Return of the Jedi. Hey, it don't add up, though. Man, it don't add up. One plus one does not equal three, Wes. No, it doesn't. Andor is before the original trilogy. Boba Fett doesn't lose his armor until Return of the Jedi. They're way far apart. They're too far apart to work. Are they way far apart? How? What? I mean, yeah. The, the the original trilogy is at least five years long. All three movies. Okay. Ten years. That's way far apart. Yeah, he's obviously like fifty in this in this show. Cobb Vanth did not get the armor until after Return of the Jedi. So it doesn't matter if he knew him. He didn't have the armor already. So how, how would he know that he had the armor? Look, I think this this entire series proves that we're going to be jumping forward and backwards in every series. I think I think it's more along the lines of does this mean we're going to get a Freetown Cobb Vanth show next? I mean, is 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 that what's going on? We also thought, you know, no one expected the Book of Boba Fett either until the post first post credit scene in Star Wars history. Now they give top Cobb Vanth a second. Boba Fett is such a big name, man. Boba Fett has been huge since the original trilogy. When I saw him in The Mandalorian, I I thought there were bigger things in store for him. And there was. There was a whole series. Cobb Vanth is cool. I like Cobb Vanth. I don't think he's a big enough Star Wars name to get his own series. Maybe, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's getting a series in June. Who knows? Listen, th- there's a reason they keep bringing up Freetown in this episode. Okay? It's because the story of Freetown is coming. It's got that Freetown, ta- man. Are you talking about Mos Pelgo? Is that Mos Pelgo? It's, it's going to be... This the title of the series is going to be Freetown parentheses Mas Pelgo. I ain't never heard of no Mas Pelgo. I heard of Freetown though. Bit is Big Pelgo. <laughs> Mas Pelgo. What is that? I don't know. 
So let's go on and get to our reviews of the show after we have talked about it. Grant, you first. What is your rating? Does it stand? Is it the same? My stance has decreased. It is now 3 out of 10 instead Dang. of 4. No, that's not fair because my stance was going to decrease. That's bull. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair <laughs> For either. For the first time ever. <laughs> Every time I do something, Diedrich does this, wants to do For the, the same thing. For the first time it's ever, funny. like, <laughs> Diedrich and Grant, in the back half in the back half of this series. I know. We're, we're normally opposed to each other on most issues, but on this one, I think... But on this show, we've just been yeah. brought together, and I made that It was joke about earlier. halfway through this, this series or this season of this series. We don't know if there's going to be a season two or not, but like around episode three or four, man, you guys really just came into your own together, and I, I feel like we've turned a corner, guys. I, I really feel like there's some, there's some bro love going on, uh, a bromance, if you will, between Grant and Diedrich, and I, I'm here for it. I... I I would have loved to see that as the mid credit scene in the Book of Boba Fett rather than Cobb Vanth. <laughs> I've loved the general rivalry, but I also love the fact that on, on a couple issues here, we're like one and one. You know, we're, we're in the same page. Like, I'm like, right, that's, it's, nice, it's nice to have such a nice opponent Star on Wars my team. Star Wars brings everyone together. You had more in common than different after all. <laughs> For now. There is, there is. Don't worry, honor. we're about to break that cycle. So, Wesley, what is your rating for the book of Boba Fett, chapter seven? Um, Are you staying the same? I'm holding tight at nine, just to spite those guys. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like they're underappreciating Cad Bane as a whole. Like, uh, just how how great those scenes were. Cad Bane is the only reason it's not lower. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there were a lot of cool things. I think this show had a lot of this episode in particular had a lot of cool things in it. Um, with like when Bo, when Mandalorian and Boba Fett came out fighting with the jetpacks on, that was a cool moment right there. Um, then Boba Fett finally got to ride the Rancor. That was pretty cool in his own way. And for a finale, I think it was well done. I always appreciate shows that tie everything together and don't leave any loose ends. Um, and yeah, I, I I'm holding tight at nine. All right, Andrew, what do you think? Are you holding tight on your review of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7? We still at, what, a 6.5, I believe it was? Yeah, it's kind of a tough decision. Um, just because there were parts that I really, really enjoyed, and then there were parts that I really disliked. I agree with a lot of the big points. Like, this should have been two episodes. They skipped a lot of important information. Uh, they really kind of overdramatized a lot of the fighting scenes again the whole king kong thing at the end with the uh rancor was ridiculous but there were some good things and i can't justify a 6.5 and i'm not going with the what everybody else is doing but still like i think i'm gonna bring it down to a 5.5 or a 5 even like it just it wasn't a great ending for a series and really the series itself had good parts but it wasn't as good as the Mandalorian and it wasn't I don't know I don't know if that's because the Mandalorian is just really good and it's hard to match that I don't know I don't know I I can't explain it I can't I can't put my thoughts into words to be honest with you it was kind of disappointing It just feels underwhelming So Dietrich are you holding fast on your review of the Book of Boba Fett chapter 7 I'll go ahead and say sure and basically my take is 
This is the first time a Filoni Favreau Disney Star Wars thing has disappointed me to such an extent. I think there's there's a lot of good stuff. Cad Bane is the only reason why I'm kind of keeping at my five being kind of like an average score. So like, yeah, I I, I like the episode. I, I ended up watching it about three times. I will probably watch it again before my life is over. And I'll, you know, I had fun. It was nice, but there's been a lot better stuff created by them. And as a season finale, I was incredibly disappointed. The season finales for both Mandalorian season one and season two were phenomenal. And to get this is kind of like a, you know, we're taking two steps back. Feels like a rise of Skywalker. It does. There's a lot of things that are in common with the sequel trilogy and in common with the season, uh, what was the last season of Game of Thrones? Season eight. Just the last season, we don't talk about it other than that. Right, the last season of Game of Thrones. There's a lot in common with that in the sequel trilogy that really just bring it down. So, I think I'm going to hold fast on my review as well. I think I was at a 5.5. It really seems to me that this series, or this season of this series, were two different shows, like a half a season of two different shows wrapped into one for me. And the, you get the first half, and it's Boba Fett flashbacks. You're getting his backstory. Then the next two episodes are nothing but Mandalorian, Luke, Ahsoka, all that stuff. And it just, I wish it would have furthered Boba's story, because I like where Boba Fett ends. I like where he is walking through the town, and he is, he is the daimyo. People are respecting him now. I like that ending. I like him riding the Rancor. I like him out there fighting, beating the crap out of people. His Cad Bane interactions are amazing. Cad Bane was awesome in this episode. But there was not enough development to get him there. Like, from where we left off in, what, episode four, to where we pick back up in this episode, there's a lot unsaid. Like, when did he learn to ride the Rancor? I would have liked a little bit more on that. When did the, the Mighty Morphin Power Kids really start lining up with Boba Fett's um, idea of honor and loving the place that you are. I like where it ended up. I just don't like how we got there. And, it, and that's, this finale felt like it packed all of these different things in so fast that we could not get the breath and the, the, uh, the time that we needed with certain aspects of people's character development. Like, we could have left Mandalorian and Grogu out of this. I love their interaction. It was not for the Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett should have been left to Boba and his crew developing their character. And that's just how I feel. And I don't, I don't think that anyone can talk me out of it. This finale would have been better if we didn't have to rush through people's character development to get them to an end. So let's go on and bring it to Master Yoda for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Underwhelming. The word of the week is. <laughs> so, Master Yoda, are you saying you were underwhelmed with the uh, finale of the Book of Boba Fett? Yes. Underwhelmed I was. No special cameos were there. No big reveals were there. Very little Gamorrean cheeks were there. Yeah, that's true. And, and we saw the end of the poor Gamorreans. Yes. Horrible. Horrible it was. We also saw Cad Bane die. So he's probably done for good, right? Hmm, no. Blinky light still blinked it. 
So are you telling me that uh, you think Cad Bane is still alive? Yes. See him in more media, we shall. Very popular this character is. <laughs> and as we found out last week, you are all about the money now, Master. Yes. More money, more problems. And with that, we come to the end of another great episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. Check out our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page. Check out our link tree. Check out our merchandise store. We'd love for you to interact with our social medias so we can get reviews from you. We'd like to know what you think about the show, how you think it's going, things you want to hear about. So just check us out and drop us a review. Drop us a comment on our page or something like that. So we thank you and may the force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a... City folks hear this, but I ain't no city folk. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to stay out here. Not in the city. I don't want to hear nothing. I ain't hearing it. That's a city folk thing. Production.